This episode is brought to you by Rhino Skin Solutions, my go-to when it comes to taking care of my skin. My go-to products are the Repair Cream, the Performance Cream, and the Dry Spray. I have naturally sweaty skin, and I find the Performance Cream and the Dry Spray especially helpful when I'm sport climbing or climbing on long boulder problems, because if I can keep my hands from sweating, I don't have to stop and chalk up as often, that can make all of the difference on a pumpy sport climb or a long boulder. And I like to use the repair cream in the evenings most days. That's my go-to product. I just use it to help my skin heal between sessions on my projects. Whether you have sweaty skin like me and have trouble keeping chalk on your hands, or maybe you have dry, glassy skin and you have the opposite problem, Rhino Skin Solutions has products that are designed just for you and your skin type. If you want to level up your skin game, head over to rhinoskinsolutions.com and enter code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next order. That's rhinoskinsolutions.com. Use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off and start taking better care of your precious skin today. This episode is brought to you by Fizzy Vantage, the official climbing nutrition sponsor of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. Fizzy Vantage is the leading brand in climbing nutrition, with more than 40 professional climbers now using Fizzy Vantage products daily to support their training and climbing performance. Many of those names are people I have had on this show, and there's a reason they're all using FizzyVantage. Visit FizzyVantage.com to learn more about their many innovative research-based nutrition products and supplements, including their revolutionary supercharged collagen. That's my personal favorite. I take that one every day. I'm rocking the peach mango flavor right now. The performance boosting Endurex, that's great for sport climbers and trad climbers, and their delicious protein supplements, weapons grade whey, and the plant-based PowerPlex. If you would like to feel the Fizzy Vantage, head over to fizzyvantage.com and use code NUGGET15 at checkout to save 15% off any full-priced nutrition product. That's NUGGET15 at checkout, and you can find a direct link to this coupon right there in your podcast app. Hello, my friends, and welcome to the Nugget Climbing Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Dimmitt. My guest today is Stephanie Murr. Steph is the manager, head route setter, and team coach, and many more things at Climb Tacoma in Tacoma, Washington. That gym is her home and her family. We talked a lot about that in this episode. She's also an outdoor boulderer. She's really strong. She's really short. She comes up with cool beta. It's really fun to talk about that. She's a new friend of mine. We met up in Leavenworth and recorded this episode in my van and I absolutely loved it. Steph is such a cool person. She was really open and honest in this conversation. We have a lot in common. It was really cool to connect and see the parallels in our life stories. And we're really different in a lot of ways too. And it was really fun to hear how she's evolved and where she's at in her life now, having come from a really similar background to me. And yeah, just really enjoyed it. If you guys like the episodes that are more about people, than about rock climbing, then I think you will love this one. We did talk about climbing quite a bit, but this was a lot more about Steph and her life and her journey and just a conversation between two new friends getting to know each other. So I'll leave it at that and let you guys discover the rest. Please enjoy this wide ranging conversation with Stephanie Mer Like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it, like we do it, like we do it. 
we do it like we do it. Okay, ready? Yeah. Great. Hi. Hi. Hey. <laughs> Thanks for being here. I think we should start where every great conversation starts, should okay. start, which is with miniature carpentry. <laughs> every good climbing podcast conversation should start with miniature carpentry. I was looking on your Instagram and your most recent post just made me so curious about you and about what this hobby is. I'd never seen it before. I'll let you describe it. Tell me about miniature carpentry. Yeah, I, well, I feel like, first of all, it's not talked about enough. And that's really frustrating because I haven't really seen anyone else that does a similar thing to what I do. 185 episodes and no one's ever brought it up. No one. What's up with that? I'm waiting. I'm waiting for someone. Maybe this is going to be like what brings people out of the woodwork. The woodwork. Um, yeah. So I got my tubes tied about a month ago, which is like semi-relevant. Um, I'm very much pursuing the child-free life. Um, but I was forced to take, I think like at least three days of rest. They said a week, but I was like, I know I'll be fine in three days. So while I'm on my painkillers, I knew I would have nothing to do. And a couple months previous to that, I uh, saw this thing on TikTok where people are taking hot glue and wire string lights, like how you have up here. And they are taking the string lights and they are like bending them and putting the little LED light like right at the tip and kind of like, like kind of like doing like this with them, putting the LED light like at the tip. Okay. And then like you can twist it so that it stays. And then you stick it straight up, like advert, right? And then you take your hot glue gun and you dribble the glue down and that creates the mushroom stem. And then- Oh, no way. It, dude, it, hot glue is the most powerful tool I think I have ever experienced. Can I, can I describe what I saw on Instagram and then you can- Oh, yeah, you yeah, can, yeah. You can continue explaining oh, sure, how this thing was sure. made. So what I saw was Steph had made like a miniature, like a beautiful, I don't know, like a light feature that would exist in your living room that would just be on display for people to see. Um, and it looks like a little- fairy house or something that you built like a little log cabin the whole thing is the size of my hand like the the surroundings the the mushroom lights but imagine like a little nature scene where there's this miniature wooden cabin that's a couple inches wide moss and these big mushrooms that are lit up from the inside and it looks beautiful and i assumed that you had found fake mushrooms somewhere and put the lights in, I didn't realize that you made them out of hot glue. Oh, yeah. It's it's so easy. So kind of like a candle drip. You're like dripping yeah. glue down onto the light. Yeah. And it makes these mushroom features. Yeah. As it hits the metal, it like starts to cool and it starts to dribble down a little bit more slow. And how, then, did, how did you find this? How did you come across this? It was just on again? TikTok. Okay. And I saw it and I sent it to my friend Haley because her and I like to do crafting. And I was like, we're doing this. We're doing it. And we stayed up till four in the morning <laughs> doing it. And the one that I made, I really didn't like. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to redo the inside of this one day. And I did. Um, but yeah, you you dribble it down the, the wire and then you take parchment paper and you make like a coin shape, let it cool a little bit. And then you pull it off the parchment paper and then you can kind of form it to make more of a cap. And then you just use hot glue again to attach it to the top. And then since the LED light is at the very top of the wire, it lights up the mushroom cap. Mm. And it looks like this thing that is complicated, maybe expensive, but it's not. It's like so easy. And it's very relaxing. I did not realize I could like something so much that was not climbing related. 
because my entire life, like all I think about, I go to bed at night thinking about routes, thinking about things I should be doing at the gym, thinking about like climbing projects. And then now I'm thinking like, how can I build this mini A-frame cabin that has this like staircase like I've been getting into spiral staircases now and the steps for these staircases are the width of a coffee stir. I've been stealing coffee stirs from my local Marlene's. Have you heard of Marlene's? No, what is that? It's just a great health food store in okay. Tacoma. And they just have a bunch of coffee stirs, which is literally just free lumber, like at their little coffee station. And I'll I'll get a drip coffee, like I'll, I'll patronize the business and then I'll take a handful, put it in my pocket and then I go home and I have a little X-Acto knife and I'm just chopping and like tweezers, hot glue, and also like super glue. And yeah, it's just, it's so relaxing. Um, Is the whole, the whole house or cabin made from coffee stirs? No, I use just like really thin, it's called like balsa wood. Okay. And it cuts really easily with an X-Acto knife. Okay. Um, that same balsam, balsa wood, uh, I've also been using to make these like mini picture frames for my friends. I saw the one of your cat. My your, kitty your, cat, your Petzl. Tiny, yeah, yeah my baby. Petzl. <laughs> yeah, his name was Petzl. Uh, we said goodbye to him a little bit over a year ago. Um, but he, he lived 16 years. Wow. Um, he was like, oh my gosh, just one of the goodest boys you would have ever met. He was so sweet. Um, named him Petzl thinking he would be a crag cat, but he was afraid to go outside. So... Mm. Um, he was just my little homie. And, uh, before that, like I had this crazy, like six year period of just like the most impeccable mental health I've ever had in my entire life. And then he dies and my mental health takes a really crazy turn for the worst in a way that I haven't experienced in a long time. And it felt really unfamiliar. So mm. that was weird, but that is all to say, um, yeah, I've been making all these mini picture frames for my friends, which are really cool because they're how, only how about many? this yeah. big. Yeah, so they're they're this big. You're and holding I, up your fingers. That's like one inch by two inches, or it's it's like one inch by like one point seven inches, okay, or something like that. Um, but I think that's what everyone's going to get for Christmas this year. And um, I did not want to show up here and talk about this with you without making you one. So I made you a mini picture frame for the van. And I normally, I normally use like a picture of someone's pets. Uh, but like, I don't really know anything about you. And all, all I know about you is that like, you really like Ethan Pringle. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, uh, there's a picture of Ethan in there. Oh my gosh. Um, and so you can, you can stare at that and it'll, I wanted it to be something that like some, someone or something that you love or that inspires you. So like there's a shirtless picture of Ethan, <laughs> but if you actually grab it and you slide with your <clears> thumb <throat> up, there's another picture behind it of him climbing this like V14. Oh, I'm keeping the shirtless one for sure. Yeah. yeah I just wanted is... you to have options. Um, but like, yeah, I figured like Look, it even matches my. So you you stuck it on my magnetic blackboard, and it uh -huh. even matches the frame. Yeah. Of my blackboard. Yeah, I've been planning. God, this you for, brought your A game. This is incredible. I've been planning this for three days. We met to we met today for yeah. people listening. We just met today, like an hour yeah. ago, two hours ago. Yeah, I've been planning this for like <laughs> three days. I made that last night, actually. Um, I'm so happy. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. I'm honored. I'm so happy with how this played out. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yep. <clears throat> well, that's incredible. So this is your new, the, your new hobby, this miniature carpentry. And now you yeah. have something, another part of your identity that you can use to introduce yourself. Yeah. 
because climbing is your whole life, right? Yes. I mean, we a lot of us can say that. That's why we were listening to climbing podcasts. But give me a little context around that. You're the head root setter at Climb Tacoma, the manager. Mm-hmm. You wear a thousand hats. The yeah. list of tasks or things that you're that that you do at that gym kind of blew me away. So talk me through some of that. What is your what does your lifestyle look like? Oh man. Well, I manage the gym and the head setter every single aspect of those jobs that comes with it. I do like pretty much all of them. Um, and I coach the team as well. I used to also be the head team coach simultaneously with all of that. And I realized I should hand that off to someone else, but there wasn't really anybody around that would be able to take that. Um, but then I met, I met somebody, uh, my friend Trevor, actually, he, um, just was at the gym, met him at Pimp Squeak and was like, hey, check out our gym. Like you live in Tacoma and you climb at the other gym. What's up with that? He vibed with us really well. And then he came to climb Tacoma, got a membership there, uh, was climbing there for about a month and then uh, randomly approached me for a job. And I was like, actually, we need a team coach. Have you ever coached before? And he's like, no. And I was like, well, I just, I don't know. I have a really good feeling about you. Mm. And so we hired him and he has thrived there a lot. I mean, that's that's a really similar story to a lot of the people. I could tell you incredible stories about a lot of the people that have come through that place, whether it be staff or members. Um, I wonder how many other people out there, their main source of community and social interaction coming from the gym. Cause as we're like in our thirties, right? Like if we didn't have, well, at least if I didn't have the gym, where would I get my social interaction? Totally. Where would my community be? Like, where mm-hmm. would my support system be? Who would be my everyday people and where would I see them and where would I find them? Mm-hmm. I honestly do not know. So that's like one reason why Climb Tacoma is really special to me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super fun. I'm just there 40 hours or more a week. I like it a lot. Yeah. I yeah. I, I just do a lot there. I, I designed the website. Do you feel totally overwhelmed? That's like an outrageous number of responsibilities. I know you've, yeah, you've handed some off, but yeah. um, I hope they're paying you well. That's a lot of stuff to, <laughs> to we, juggle. Our gym is owned by two dudes, two really great dudes. Um, actually, you'll see them in the Leavenworth guidebook on pages 127 and <laughs> two. Oh my gosh, I can't remember the other one. But Respect for pulling that yeah, out. Wow. Brian and Jason, Shout out. they own Climb Tacoma. They've owned Climb Tacoma since 2012. And they have a huge... Actually, I don't really know how much of a part they have in developing Leavenworth. But I mean, they're in the guidebook. You know, Kelly thought they were important enough to put in there, I guess. But they own the gym. They've owned it. We just had our 10-year anniversary last year. And then uh, this coming October, we're going to have our 11-year like anniversary party comp thing. And I've been at Climb Tacoma since 2016. And yeah, Brian is pretty involved in the day-to-day. Jason, not so much, but uh, Brian has been one of my main mentors in my climbing since I started. So pretty important guy. And then just imagine this person that you respect so much that you look up to, just one of the coolest guys ever, super funny, um, like strong climber, just really knowledgeable, just really great demeanor. Somebody that like just their, their aura is something that you want to emulate, right? Like just a really great guy. And then imagine that he like says, Hey, I own this gym and everything, you know, do you want to run it for me? Like imagine being asked to run that person's gym. Mm. Like I, wow. 
I felt the same level of honor when he asked me to work there. Because the way it works at Climb Tacoma is that you don't, you almost never like apply to work there and then get hired. That's not really how it's ever been. You get hired because he will come to you mm. and say, hey, we have a position. Like, I like your vibe. You're not going to disrupt this fragile, delicate ecosystem that we have of just really good quality people. Because for some reason, that gym just attracts some of the highest quality humans like I've ever come in contact with. That's and cool. They, and it's really great. And I, I have to say, I don't really go many other places because <laughs> I'm always there. But just like all the people that are there are really great. And it kind of feels crazy. I don't know how it happens, but a lot of people say the same thing. Like mm. I walked in and I immediately could tell that this place was a place I could be comfortable. And that's ever since being given that responsibility, um, one of my titles that I give myself, I call myself the uh, director of like vibe management. Um, Cause you only need one or two not so great people to kind of disrupt that right. good flow, which yeah. we've had that one time, but not so much anymore. So yeah. What him coming to you was that like when he saw those things in you, was that just from you spending time at the gym as a climber? How did he when know I you? When I first got hired? Yeah. Yeah. I spent, so the gym was really small, not super busy. And that was his main job. I mean, that was his only job. He would work the desk there and do anything that anyone would do working at a gym, like cleaning, route setting, uh, scheduling, everything. Like he was in charge of all of that. And they needed another kids coach. And he knew that I was working as a kids climbing coach at the YMCA in the area. Oh, okay. And he was like, this girl like seems really cool, which I was like, that's a big honor. Like, thank you for saying that. Like, I must actually be cool. Like, I believe <laughs> it now. Um, all you need is like somebody that you really look up to, to tell you that like, you're really cool. And then you're like, wow, like I must be cool. For sure. Yeah. Um, I totally believe it now, not because of that, but like it was a good step on the way there. But yeah, he uh, needed that and he knew that I could do that. He saw me interact with people and saw me as a really good people person. And he even said, like, I want to get you into coaching, uh, working at the desk and be cool to get you involved in the route setting too. And back then in 2016, when he said that, I was like, wow, he wants me involved in the route setting. Like as a girl, me, I'm a little girl and he wants me involved in the route setting. That's really cool. But now as a head route setter and a manager, I know that it's really important to have just all the people that play a part in the gym, just to be like good representation of different people. A lot of gyms turn out to be like all men. And I'm sure that's not on purpose just because at the time and like now, but not as much now, mostly climbers are men, you know, and that's who goes to the gym. But he was really stoked to have a woman on the team. And he's had women on the team before, but they've all since moved on. And mm. I just... I fell in love with working there and I wanted to keep working there. And he had this pretty crazy life change where he had to uh, adopt his niece. And so he had to step away very heavily. And after a couple months of him not being able to be as involved as he wanted to, he looked at me and was like, I think I need you to run this place. Wow. And I looked at him back and I was like, I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I've kind of already been sliding into that role because mm. I saw the need and also um, 
I don't really know if there was anybody else who had the like capacity or the time or just like maybe the well-rounded ability that I had to do all those things. Um, I don't know. I'm glad that he asked me and I think it turned out really good. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, yeah. I'm curious like <clears throat> how your career feels to you. Like does, does what you do now feel sustainable? Does it feel like something that you can do for a long time? Because of course I've talked to a lot of people that work in gyms on the podcast and something that comes up all the time and you know, it's changing. It's like things are moving in a better direction, but um, it's just really hard to have a career in a climbing gym in any capacity and see a future in that, you know, like route setters just beat their bodies up and it's hard to route set enough to make enough money to live without just destroying yourself in the process and losing your love for climbing, you know, the reason that you're there in the first place. And then you're in a pretty great position where I can see that you, you know, you have a head root setter position and I'm sure you still set yourself, but you have all these other tasks to kind of fill out your schedule and hopefully you don't have to spend as many hours like doing the physical toil so you can save your energy. But how does, how does it feel to you? Does it feel sustainable? Can you see yourself doing this for a long time? And I'm, if so, I'm, I'm really curious why, like what, what could other gyms do better? Do you know what I mean? Oh man. Well, I'm in a really unique situation. So I am lucky enough that my husband, Julian, he works for a certain billionaire who has a certain aerospace company. And Got it. <laughs> Julian like makes Probably really good money. List. Yeah. Julian makes really good money. And there is a lot of financial stability there where if I had to be on my own, uh, I definitely would have to have probably more than two roommates. Mm. It, finances would be really tight and it would be really tough. So I know that there is an aspect of Julian's, what's it called when you like are really giving? Generosity. There's an aspect of Julian's generosity that is like a key player in my ability to be in the role that I am in. Mm. So that is something I think about all the time. It's something I like to acknowledge a lot. And he also loves Climb Tacoma. He loves Climb Tacoma. He yeah. loves the people. He loves what Climb Tacoma represents. Climb Tacoma is not just a gym. It is a community. When I was taking my steps slowly out of the church world, I didn't feel scared about losing people that cared about me, even though I already saw that I was losing people. And that was less scary because I had also already gained a really good amount of people at a very high quality mm -hmm, at that mm -hmm. gym. Those yeah. people were there. Those people were my everyday. And it's not as hard to leave something that you've been in for so long when you get integrated into a new place where other people become your everyday. When those people love you exactly the way that you are. Oh my gosh. When a church says that their motto is come as you are and you'll be loved and there is no asterisk on that, that's so dishonest because mm. if you come as you are, they do not, as you know, they do not, you know, show you that love that they describe that they should be loving. But mm. when you're coming to the gym and you are a queer person or you are somebody 
that is not white or you're somebody that is in a different economic class or you're just, you have a completely different life situation. You come to the gym and you are just roped into this community of these people that look at you the same way they look at all of the other people next to you and treat you that way too. Um, I saw that and that's when I started to think, hey, maybe the church really isn't all that it says it is. Mm. Why am I finding this thing here at this climbing gym with these people that cuss and smoke weed yeah. and all of this stuff? Like, what does that place there have for me? I don't feel like I can be myself. Like there's things about myself I have to hide. Yeah. Julian is not a Christian. He never grew up Christian. And they, I had to lie. If I wanted to continue to be on the worship team, I had to lie and say like, oh yeah, he's, he's a Christian. Oh, he's just not, he works on weekends. He can't be at church. I would get pressed for that a lot. Yeah, he got pressed for it. Yeah, pressure. Yeah. And yeah, I'm, I, I think this is going to be so interesting to talk about with you. I thought it was really interesting to hear how parallel our lives have been in a lot of ways. Yeah. Because um, I didn't know this about you until yesterday. Mm -hmm. um, tell me about your time as a Christian music artist. You haven't, oh I haven't listened to your music yet. But Please you don't. <laughs> oh man, people are going to look it up now. Well, Here's the thing. I'll make you feel better in a minute if you want. Like I have, oh, I it's so, wait. it's so parallel. I think mine, I had stuff. I think it went away because MySpace disappeared. But um, dude, I was fully in that world. I have a music background. As people know, I ended up studying uh, music in college and got a bachelor's in music. But before that, you know, there was high school music and choir and I was a choir kid and all that stuff. And I played guitar and I learned keys and I grew up playing piano. But through all of that, all those chapters was church music. Oh yeah. Was Hillsong. leading worship. Oh my gosh. Chris yeah. Tomlin. <laughs> Brooke Frazier. <laughs> Oceans. You know the song Oceans? I, it, I'm a little rusty. I, I'm sure I would recognize it though. Oh my God. I'm sure I would. We're not going to go there. Yeah. Um, but dang. I was probably before you though. Like for me, this was like well, maybe, yeah. my peak worship team, worship leading years were, you know, high school, which was 2000 three to seven and then college. Like I kept mm -hmm. doing that at a college ministry in Bellingham. So did I. Really? In college. Yeah. Yeah. In Ellensburg. And I think the thing that's, the thing that I'm curious about with you, I, I really resonated with this idea that you shared with me of like finding, finding church in your climbing gym. For me, it was Smith Rock. Like I moved to Bend, Oregon and I was leaving this Christian ministry in Bellingham that actually felt like a really lovely place to me because Bellingham is quite liberal and progressive. Yeah. And that was one of the few churches that I've ever visited. At least they were very close to saying, come as you are and really meaning it, you know, like they probably were still wrestling with some things internally, but, um, but it was, it was progressive. They, they understood a lot of things that a lot of religious folks still don't and still struggle with. And that's respectable. Yeah. But so I left that and moved to Bend. And I just remember thinking I'm starting this new chapter of my life. I'm 23 years old. I'm moving here for the climbing. I've always gone to church. Do I find a new church here from scratch? And I, I remember visiting some and like kind of test driving a couple of churches and it just felt so forced to me. I remember feeling like, okay, I'm supposed to connect with these random people and have them as like the foundation of my community. When like some spirituality is the, literally the only thing that we have in common. It's completely inorganic. And I'm getting more and more disillusioned with yeah. organized religion. And I think it's causing a lot of harm in this world and hurting a lot of people. 
And so I'm seeing all these people who have great intentions in the church that like are wrestling with all that and trying to like, you know, figure out how to be just a loving, compassionate person. And it, it just was like, what are we doing here? And, and then I was, you know, that was contrasted with spending my weekends at Smith Rock and having this amazing, lovely community that, you know, for me felt like what I always wanted a church to be. And it just felt, it was my pivot point. It felt like a no brainer. And I didn't do it. Probably a lot of people think of when they think of someone leaving the church who grew up in the church, like, you know, I studied engineering and a lot of people move away from organized religion and they think I was naive. Now I understand science and I believe in the scientific method and like that was all woo woo. And this is now I live in like the grounded real world. And for me, it wasn't really like that. Like I'm, I do believe in the scientific method and I am scientifically minded, but I'm still super spiritual. Like I, I love like the complexity and, and the interconnectedness that we can't really understand. And I still think there's like amazing things happening that we don't understand. I just don't really care to like describe or need to need to understand what that is anymore. And it's not worth bringing along all that baggage from my Christian upbringing that was harming people. I just got so tired of, of feeling like if I meet someone and introduce myself as a Christian, I have to convince you mm -hmm. that I'm not a judgmental, mm -hmm. hypocritical, sheltered Republican asshole. You know what I mean? All those things. Yeah. I have to convince you that I'm a safe person. That I'm a safe person, yeah. that I'm open, that I'm accepting, that I'm mm -hmm. not judgmental whatever it is. And, and, and finally I reached a point where like, I don't need to keep doing this and I don't need yeah. to be able to define my spirituality. I don't need to know if I agree with all the stuff in the Bible, it doesn't mm -hmm. matter. I'm going to set all that aside and just not overthink it. But I didn't mean to talk that long. I feel like I, I should ask you a question. Well, off of what you said, my thing recently, my mom asked me, are you still a Christian? Mm. And I said, I don't know what I believe, but I'm also not in a hurry to figure it out anymore. And that gave me the more peace than being a Christian ever did. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you said something interesting in a document that you sent me with a bunch of bullet points and super helpful to get all those notes about you. So my, thank you. My life, the, the building blocks of my life are bullet point lists. <laughs> yeah. You're a list person. Oh yeah. You said that your gym functions more like a church for the community than any church I've ever heard of. What do you mean by that? I mean, I just feel like we have such an incredible variety of types of people that come through there and that feel comfortable enough putting down roots and being themselves and living openly true and authentically as themselves in a way that would never happen in a church ever. And these people, when I see it all the time, when people live their truth and are open and honest about who they are and the community is like, great, I love you. And that's a part of you. That's great. That's, I think that's amazing. And it just gives you just a better, well-rounded sense of humanity when you surround yourself with different types of people who are experiencing and have preferences of things that 
maybe you've never even thought of or don't understand or would have never even considered for yourself. Just variety, man. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck that homogenized anything. I yeah. Guess. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I, I think I've told this story on the podcast before, but I remember a real eye-opening moment in my life was moving to Bellingham and meeting my friend Hannah. Um, I haven't talked to Hannah in, I don't know, 15 years or something, a long time, but she, I had a huge crush on her. She was like, you know, wore dark makeup and had short hair and was super into film and just kind of <laughs> looked like a Tim Burton character. And she was just like so interesting to me. Oh yeah. Just an amazing, super lovely, kind, compassionate person. And she's an atheist. And I was like, you know, leading worship or on a worship team at this Christian ministry. And I was like sheltered Christian boy. And it just was so clear to me that she was so much more like Jesus than most of the Christians I knew. I found that so fascinating. I was like, she gets it. Like she's accepting and loving and compassionate towards everybody, including me. And I was still pretty like confused about some shit at the time. And I'm so grateful that she didn't judge me and write me off. She really helped me open up. Yeah. And yeah, that was a huge, that was a huge like light bulb kind of transition moment for me was, was just meeting her and being friends with her. Well, what does the church say about people who aren't Christian? They just label them as like evil. You know, if your deeds are not for the Lord, then they are for the devil, I guess. But it's the same thing when I met my husband, Julian in college in 2014. Was this in Washington? Yeah. Yeah. I went to Central Washington University in Ellensburg. Did you grow up in Washington? I did. I grew up in Tacoma. So I was on the west side in Tacoma. You were in Wenatchee in the central part of the state. Yeah. And then when we both went to college, we flip-flopped. Oh, funny. (laughs) Yeah. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, But when I met Julian at Central, I was still in my Christianity vibe. And I remember thinking to myself, this guy is so kind and generous and compassionate like he has to be a Christian, you know? And then one day I asked him cause I needed, I needed to know cause I was starting to kind of get a little crush on him. And he told me that he was a Buddhist. And I felt like at first I couldn't believe it because he acted more like a Christian, like he said, than like most Christians act. And it was so confusing to me. And I think that is the beginning of where it all started to unravel. When you meet somebody who is outside of your Christian bubble that is more loving and more accepting and more compassionate, more giving with their time and their energy and just just a very open, just wonderful, really good. Like just the vibe is just all good. And that person is not a Christian. Like it doesn't make sense that Christianity labels that person as evil and that that person would go to hell. Like how does that actually make sense? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like there is no glory to God in that, sending right. a person like that to hell. Like that makes literally no sense. Yeah. So yeah, we both have that person that was like, wow, maybe I should think a little bit more deep about these things that I thought were true. Yeah. Yeah, it flipped up it flipped a lot of things upside down for me and I really started to notice patterns after that, I think. Cuz I at the time I was really wrestling with like all that programming from my upbringing and, you know, actually meeting people who the church would have judged, you know, meeting yeah. them and getting to know them as humans and realizing that like these people are who they are and they're not making bad choices about their identities. This is just who they are and they're trying to be authentic and they're trying to find love like all of us, you know? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, that's kind of like what started me on that on that journey of I think opening. Did you go to church as a kid because of your parents and what was your Christian kind of upbringing like? Like how did that how did that look and was that your whole community? Um because it was it was mine. I was I was in a lot of a bubble, you know, like a lot of my oh, friends yeah. were music friends from the worship team and stuff. Yeah, the the same thing. Yeah. Yeah, I had gone to that church from probably age 3 or 4 until probably age 24. It's like 20 years. So I grew up in it. And when I got into around high school age, I got very much involved in my youth group and then got very involved on the worship team. And then my friend group was just people from my youth group. My friend group was my youth group. My worship team friends, those were the people that I was around constantly. And when you're in that, you don't ever really have the opportunity to experience other different types of people. So those people are always going to be othered to you. And they're always going to be like this scary concept that has been painted negatively in your brain by all of these people who are trying to caution you against these kinds of people. And then you and I meet these alleged people that are so scary. Your first like gay friend or, you know, someone who like is like transitioning as a trans folk or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then you see their humanity and then you start, you like have no choice but to wrestle with it. Mm. But yeah, it's exactly what you said is programming because when you look at it now, these things don't really make sense, but we held them so much as truth as just like pure fact. Yeah. We didn't really think about it. We just knew the sky is blue. Gay people are evil. <laughs> God. <laughs> mm. it's, it's so painful to think about mm-hmm. how much time I wasted and the people that I could have like loved. And then also like, I didn't really realize I was bi until college and I Mm. was still too afraid to act on it. And that (laughs) one of my biggest regrets is not exploring that in college. Mm. It's so funny, but thankfully I got to explore that after college. And thankfully like my boyfriend at the time, my husband now is like, Hey, like you need to figure this out. Like this is not a small thing. And I feel like it would be important to address this now rather than 15 years down the line and you don't want to be with me anymore. We've talked about your husband a few times today. He sounds yeah. like a fucking rock star. Oh my God. The the things, I hope one day you get to meet him. I don't really understand how incredible, how he became such an incredible, solid, grounded person. Like anyone that knows him is just blown away by the person that he is. And I already have a crush on him. He just, he sounds incredible. You should. Yeah. He just, he just sent his first V12, like. Sick. Last, I don't even know. He, he is, he is the person who, you know, was an engineer, very, very busy, double majored in aerospace and physics with a math minor. And he went to school at UW. So he was really, really busy, barely climbed, climbed as much as he could, which wasn't very much. And then now works at that certain company that I mentioned earlier goes through a lot of stress and doesn't climb all that much, but has such a good foundation of climbing from years. It's probably been over 10 years since he's been climbing and he will maybe climb with a weight vest on, 
V0 up to V6 and then like project hard and then he'll go out and he'll send something hard and I'm like you don't train you don't train you don't you don't do anything you just go out there and you climb and you pull hard and you just have a really good really good head game mm. like he even knows he has a really good head game um he he just doesn't do anything and I I try so hard I could try harder absolutely <laughs> but I feel like I try really hard and he just yeah but also any good in his life, he absolutely deserves it. It's mm. so cool. Yeah, it's an honor to be attached to that man. <laughs> it's an honor to be on his health insurance plan. Sure. <laughs> yeah. An honor. It is. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, that's incredible. I want to talk about your climbing more and your confidence, actually. That's something that I have been thinking about over the last couple of days since we made the plans to come out and climb today. Um, this ties into what you just said about feeling like you work really hard and I'm, I'm, I would love to hear about your climbing philosophy and what you're excited about and all that, but confidence. I loved when I asked you what you wanted to do, basically you drove over from Tacoma to meet in Leavenworth with your partner and we got to climb a little bit or I, I just hung out and like watched you send giant man. And you know, I have no agenda. It's like 85 fucking degrees out here. We're actually sitting in my van up in Leavenworth, like right next to the creek with the door open. It's beautiful up here. Um, but I have no agenda. It's way too hot to climb hard. I was like, what do you want to do? Like, I'll come hang, I'll come spot, whatever. And you're like, oh, I want to finish Giant Man. And I needed a refresher. I like looked it up on Mountain Project and I remember doing it, I think probably in like, I don't know, 2008 or nine or something. Before I broke it. Before you broke it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But I was like, this is awesome. This is like this highball, you know, guidebook V3, probably harder now that it's broken, probably way harder for you because you're five foot one and a half or whatever yeah. it is. And it's called Giant Man for a reason. And I've seen your, like your resume. You've, you've climbed V9 more than once. You're a badass climber. And I just think it's such a rare person that says there's this really hard, <laughs> fucked up, kind of intimidating V3 that's super reachy and doesn't fit my box that I've always struggled to do. And I've climbed way harder than that. And there's countless things with higher numbers that I could go try, but God damn it. I'm going to go finish this thing on this 85 degree day. And you sent it, you did it today. I, did. But I, I just think I'm just really curious to hear about that philosophy, like where that comes from, because that's something that I see a lot of people come up against and they shy away from that sort of challenge all the time to protect their ego, to get the dopamine hit of like trying a harder grade, whatever it is. Yeah. What is it? Wh wh why, why choose a challenge like Giant Man? I gain something from every climb I try, whether or not I send, which I love to send outdoor boulders. I love to send indoor boulders, but a lot of times I'll be satisfied enough to just link moves together that I thought were impossible for me because of my size. And it's like, I'll do the move and be like, wow, okay, it's not impossible. Like I overcame that. Just just another another cool little moment where I proved to myself that my height didn't limit me or while my height is limiting me, I still came through. It's it's the I've, I've been fighting my height my entire time climbing, and I'm honestly surprised 
that it hasn't turned me off of climbing. But I think, I think what keeps me hooked is that I keep finding all these really crazy, weird ways, like using my flexibility or just finding the craziest beta that I'm sure might be one or two grades harder, whatever I'm doing, but it actually gets me there rather than the big long move or like the big dynamic thing that most people would do. And unlocking that, finding the very last key ingredient to be able to finish the recipe of the climb, that is so intriguing to me. Like Giant Man, the feet that people get stood up on, they're able to get their feet on the two footholds I was standing on. The one of them that I had previously broken that is now like three inches farther away. People get their feet there and then they just stand up and they reach the jug and they match the jug and they I'm sure I did. I'm sure I did it that way. Yeah, yeah. And you probably don't remember it because it was like, oh, nice. Cool. Next thing. <laughs> you know, uh, I've fought with that thing since like 2017. And I knew that I was going to have to do something really dumb. And the things that I grabbed on that climb today when I sent it, uh, one of the things I'd never really seen before, maybe it's new, I don't know. But whatever I did today was definitely harder than V3. I think maybe for my size and what like my skill level and everything, I think maybe it felt like soft V5. Because the foot that I was standing on is no worse than anything I've stood on before. And the side pull that I, or the Gaston that I had was pretty good. Um, but figuring out how to get into that position so that I could utilize that. Cause I saw the gas stone and I was like, I could use that and I could stand on that foot, but how am I going to get into that position to make that usable? Mm -hmm. And like, you probably saw me staring at the wall a bunch. That was me. Like, you know, the meme of the woman who's just like this with like math writing all over <laughs> the wall. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, that I will spend a lot of times staring at a climb. And I think that the unknown of, am I going to be able to figure out a way to do this? Like as is, cause I can't change this. And by this, I'm gesturing to my entire body. I can't change this. So what can I change about what I'm doing to be able to send this thing? And one of the most frustrating things that I when I get down on myself about my height, one of the most frustrating things I will voice is, why do I have to be V12 strong for my height to be able to climb V10? A lot of times I feel like I will do something that's a lot harder and then boom, yay, good for you, it's V5. And I'm like, wow, I fought through that harder than I fought through on a lot of V7s. But here I am getting V5. And you know what? That is the caring about grades portion of climbing that, you know, we don't love. We don't love that we associate grades with like your success, but it's really, it's frustrating to see that the average normal human that climbs outside in Leavenworth, let's say, is like a man kind of like you, like mm -hmm. 5'10 ish, just kind of reaches for things. And that's where all the grades are like set for right basically and then so when a short person does that same thing is their body physically working harder like are they pulling harder are they having to do things that are actually like more you're putting forth more effort and you're still getting given the same grade i guess it's like getting it's like doing the same job 
but somebody else has to do a little bit harder of a job, but then getting paid the same amount mm-hmm. kind of thing. Yeah. And I guess that would be, that would suck more because being paid money, that's your livelihood. But this, we're just getting on top of rocks. Like, what does it really all yeah, mean? I, you know? Yeah, totally. But like, but that's like reason to feel frustration around that too. You know, it's like, yeah, some people are going to say, well, you just shouldn't be so like obsessed with grades. It doesn't fucking matter anyway. But there is like unfairness in yeah. in all that you're saying. And I think I think it's just not a very good system. I, I don't know if you listened to it, but I just had a fascinating conversation with uh, Nick Rummel on the podcast back in Rockland. I did. Yeah. And um, we put out an extra on Patreon. It was like a, I don't know, 30 minute clip or something. I'm a patron, actually. Did you know that? Thank you. I've been a patron for... I don't know, a long time. Thank you. Yeah. I did I, not know that. Well, I also I'm like... You, I'm glad you told me. Yeah, I, I almost really never utilize that um, because I I forget. If, this, if the podcasts don't come through to me on Spotify, I probably won't see them. Now, okay. This is yes. a perfect plug. Yes. Do you know okay. this? I do know this, but you should tell me anyway. So now for everyone listening, if you love Spotify, now you can listen to the patron version of the show on Spotify. You can find it. I'll link to it right there in this episode. You can click on it. All the episodes will be locked. If you're a patron, you just click on the lock and then you can link your account and you'll be in there and you can listen to the the nugget and you'll get all the ad-free episodes and all the bonus stuff. Um, I just need to remember to do that. Cool. Well, yeah, yeah we, can, we can set it up later today. But so I, I did this extra that we put out for Nick. He's an applied math guy. He's a total geek. I love him to death. And I won't rehash everything that we talked about, but basically he has this like, this like math grades thing that he's been thinking about for years where he has this better idea for how grades should work as this distribution and basically using data from things like Kaya or from 8A, taking people's like anthropomorphics and like other qualities and, or just like tendencies of what they typically send and what grades they typically take and figuring out like for this type of person, this climb is this grade. And for this other type of person, this climb is this different grade and both can exist. And we need to stop thinking of grades as one number because it doesn't make any fucking sense. Like on some climbs, it's going to work out. Like you're going to think it's V9. I'm going to think it's V9. Someone six foot three is going to think it's V9, but that's really rare. And a lot of times there's two distinct grades. If you're below or above a height cutoff, a lot of times it's more of a spectrum. Climbs are not, a single number. It just, it just doesn't make any sense. No, and it'd it be really cool if we get to a point where someone like you can feel confident saying, okay, giant man is V3 in the guidebook. But for me, it felt like a V5 or maybe like a low end V5 or whatever. And just be honest about it and take that grade and not feel like you have to be, not feel like you have to defend that to anyone, yeah. you know, cause the bickering just doesn't make any goddamn sense. You know, like someone takes a personal grade and everyone else is like, well, you're wrong for all these reasons. And it's like, <laughs> they aren't quote grades the a guidebook consensus? at you, like, like it's isn't... the Bible. Yeah, totally. Point to it. Yeah. yeah. No, that, that's a really cool idea. Yeah. That's a really, really cool idea. Because honestly, when I sent Pimp Squeak, the beta that I did, and I don't know if it's just like... It, your beta was sick. I watched your played, video. It played to all of my strengths, like toe hooking Cause like when people are climbing pimp squeak, which um, if for anyone that doesn't know, it's this incredible roof climb in Leavenworth. Like if you go to 
Mountain Project and click on Washington, it is right there on the front page with like classics. It's listed as a classic. And it is just this roof climb. You have to traverse this like slanty arete and then get on to like this literal horizontal roof. And as you're on that roof, you're squeezing and you're kind of just throwing to things blindly that you can tick mark all day. But at the end of the day, you need your homies there to be like, like a little more left. Nope, nope, nope. Yep, right, right there, right there. Um, but the way that I did Pimp Squeak, there was only one blind move for me and it was the placing of a heel. And I would, I had all of my homies trained to be like, like right when I get there, they would tell me, oh, a little bit to the left. Yep, right there. And then I would know that I could crank so hard on that heel and throw for my next hand. But um, what I did made it feel a lot easier. Not easier. It felt it felt like I could flow through the moves a lot quicker and not waste time blindly slapping. Because I'm sure you probably were hugging the roof underneath and going like this. Lots of slapping. slapping and feeling Lots around. of readjusting. Yeah, yeah. yeah feeling around. Um, I, I see every single place where my hand and feet go and I'm able to get through, I think it was like 37 hand and foot moves for me. Holy shit. Something like that. And when I sent it, it was a day flash. It was the first time I had touched the rock that day. I warmed up on the hike up there and then did a bunch more warming up, like off the wall, (laughs) my fingers. And, um, I didn't know if I was going to send, but I have this. Um, core like rule for myself that I abbreviate as ABR, which stands for always be rolling the camera because you never know when you're going to day flash. Cause it's actually happened to me a lot of times. Like I day flash nosebleed day flashed. Uh, actually I flash flashed. I on-sided slice of cake, which is in a Barney's rubble next to the hesitator. Nice. Yeah. Um, but that's also perfectly my style. I day flash tin man, like the low to the tin man. Sick. Um, nice. Yeah, it, it just, it keeps happening. So I'm like, okay, I'm always going to take the time to set up the camera and the way I like it. And it the camera is important to me because, side note, a lot of people are like, why do you have to get a video it's for your Instagram? Is it because you're an influencer? Well, the reason why I'm doing that is because I want somebody my size to be able to be like inspired and go, I want to climb that climb. Has somebody my size done it? They go on YouTube and they see, oh, this girl, Steph, she's five, one and a half with a plus three. She did it. What beta does she use? Cool. It all of a sudden makes things seem a lot more possible for you. And you can get on way more things. Whereas before I just felt like, wow, what I can climb in Leavenworth and what someone like you could climb in Leavenworth, just the options just seem so low before Mm. you're just beating your head against the wall, just falling off of moves that feel impossible. Um, I like to do, I'm happy to do the hard work to figure out what the weird beta is. Um, I do have to say uh, this girl, Chelsea, who I think she sets at Riverfront, Chelsea Mern. She's, yeah, she's uh, been on the show. Yeah, yeah. Oh, wait, I think I knew. No, I did know that. Oh way, my gosh. Way long time ago. Maybe, yes. I don't remember, but maybe a hundred episodes ago or something like in yes. the, 50s or 70s or somewhere in there. Yeah. It's coming back. I listened to that episode actually. Um, she did Pimp Squeak and she has like a little bit shorter of a reach than me, but she is taller. And uh, she did the beta that I did. She did the same hand sequence that I did with toe hooks. And I was like, wow, that looks great. But then um, I completely did my own beta for the top out, but it felt way easier whatever I did than what she did. I was like, that's crazy. Um, but 
yeah, so like having somebody put in the hard work to figure out that beta is like really valuable. And then that just means that other people don't have to go through, like they can love climbing as much as a five foot 10 person. I just want people to be able to love climbing. No, totally. I mean, it's, it's so powerful. Like it's so powerful to see someone like you do something and, and have that belief for me. Like I had a big hang up around weight for a long time, as I've talked about a lot on the show and seeing people who like in Rocklands this season was super powerful, like hanging out with Nick and Matias, like those guys both are tall and jacked and muscular and they slay. They climb yeah. so much harder than I do. And it completely annihilates that yes. limiting belief that I have around weight, right? And then, yeah, for you with beta, I mean, that's such a gift to give people because I remember, you know, when I first started climbing in Leavenworth, 2007, I did a lot of my climbing here, 2007 to like 2012. Um, we didn't have beta videos for everything. Oh, man. And it was totally different. Yeah. And I, it, there's a lot of things about it that I really loved. I don't want to be all like sappy and, you know, like <laughs> wax poetic about the old days or whatever, because I'm only 34. But um, it was really special to unlock a sequence on your own. And I, I do miss some of that. Obviously, you can still choose to do that on climbs, but it's so tempting to reach for the beta to like be more productive with your climbing and, and take more stuff. And people my height have such an extensive library across like the entire world for climbs. And then you are filling in that gap for so many people. And I'm sure it's going to continue to grow over time, but at least right now, like you're basically out there doing first ascents all the time. Like you're kind of reinventing the wheel, the wheel on climbs that have been done a bunch because you have to find your own way. Like on giant man today, like that gas stone. I don't know if I would have noticed it. There's no chalk on it. No, I don't think there still is any chalk on it. Chalk left my hands. Yeah. 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 And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by wonderful pistachios. You guys know that I mostly eat whole foods when it comes to my nutrition. And I'm always looking for good crag snacks to bring to the boulders or to the cliff. Something with some substance to keep me fueled for hours and hours of climbing. Pistachios are known for their protein power, fiber, and better for you unsaturated fats for a combination that may help keep you feeling fuller longer than other snacks. And they're super convenient and so tasty. Their no-shell flavors include the classic roasted and salted, that's my favorite, super basic, I know. Salt and pepper, honey roasted, chili roasted, and smoky barbecue. They are all so good. You literally can't go wrong. Wonderful pistachios come in a variety of sizes, perfect for enjoying by yourself or with family or friends or taking them with you on your climbing adventures. So whether you're hitting the gym after work or heading out on a weekend adventure, fuel up with a healthy and tasty snack. Check out wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more about how these little green wonders can power up your day. Again, that's wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. This episode is brought to you by Rumple. My Rumple blanket is literally one of my favorite things I own. It's so cozy. It's like having the coziness of a puffy sleeping bag with you wherever you go. Check out this story. On a surf and ski trip through California, the founders of Rumpel got stuck in the back of their car in freezing temperatures and had to bundle in their sleeping bags and sip whiskey to stay warm while they waited for rescue. Cozy and warm in their sleeping bags, they realized they were even cozier than they typically were in their beds at home. 
the idea for a sleeping bag blanket was born. Rumpel's original puffy blanket is made of the same materials as your favorite outdoor gear. It pairs durable 20D ripstop nylon with a durable water-repellent finish, so it's water-resistant, stain-resistant, and odor-resistant. This thing is the best. As I said, it's the coziest blanket you could ask for. Perfect for staying warm at the boulders or at the crag. Great for camping. I have one in my van and use it all the time. And just great to have around the house. It'll be your new favorite blanket, full stop, whatever the circumstances. Go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout to get 10% off your order. That's 10% off your first order when you go to rumple.com slash nugget and use code nugget at checkout. And now back to the show. Where were we? I want to circle back to confidence unless we need to close the loop on something. Well, so my confidence definitely was not super great. But I mean, for someone of my height, if you want to be able to find alternate beta and do weird stuff that like gets you through or around the crux or bypass the crux, like you do have to get like pretty strong. Like I can, it's like a climbing team kid. I can crimp the tiny foothold and use it as an intermediate instead of doing the big move where I have to like dyno off of low feet and then can't make it. Like I can get, I also am really flexible actually. A lot of people will recognize me from my Instagram because I'm the girl that like has her foot by your head mm. or like puts puts her heel like like at head height and then uses a really high foot, rocks up and over, uses little intermediates and stuff like that. Um, if you want to be able to open your world more, it's like you do have to get stronger to a certain degree, but you also have to get really good at understanding movement and reading beta, reading holds, and also just being like, I don't know if that's going to work, but I'm definitely going to try it because if I feel it, I'll be able to feel if I can dial that to make it work or if it's just like not an option. I like to try to eliminate all options that I can see immediately uh, before I start making up really weird shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I'll try to grab everything. I'll chalk up footholds and I'll try to use them. And if it doesn't work, then I'm like, all right, now I'm going to, things are going to start getting weird. (laughs) And it becomes really fun after that. And then it gets to be really frustrating because I'm Mm -hmm. like, you know, I kind of just want to do the fucking climb, but I also kind of just want to fucking go home and never think about it. Earlier you said, I don't, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but talking about Giant Man, you said something like, I just try to think of every climb as something that I can learn from, right? Oh, yeah. Did, didn't you say that? Mm-hmm. I want to know if that was, like, where did that come from? Did that, was that a decision that you made at some point? I, I'm thinking of a friend of mine right now who is really similar to your size. I don't know how sh- how tall she is, but I think she's like 5'1". And... I've seen her, we've been friends for like three years and I've seen her kind of go on this journey. When I met her, she had a really fixed mindset about her height. Like she would come across a big, powerful move and be like, oh, that's a huge move. It's too big. Oh my God. Can't do it. And she'd be like, this climb, like, ah, it's so annoying. You know, it's unfair. She wasn't saying all that, but like I could tell it was like, it's a big, powerful move. I'm not that big. Write it off. Move on to the next one. And she's just, totally worked on that 
and flipped it around. And now she's like a super powerful jumpy climber and gets psyched when she sees a big move that she's not sure if she can span. And it's fucking awesome. Like her, you know, the way she's turned that around is is like so rad and took a ton of work. But it, that's what I'm getting at. Like it took a ton of work yeah. and it took like intention and, you know, um, probably therapy and all these other things. Like, is this something that, um, is this a choice that you made and had to work on at some point? Or, or does it, has it come easy for you to kind of have that like growth mindset around climbing and around your height? I don't know, honestly, now that I think about it, but coaching kiddos that are like a foot shorter than me that have to climb in the gym that I'm climbing in that, you know, there's routes that are set by me, but there's also routes that are set by men who are normal height and they have to live in that same world that I was living in, but like turned up to 10, mm. you know? Like there's things that can, like I have to work a little bit harder, but I also have gotten really good at those types of movements, like getting high feet and rocking over and all this other stuff. Like they're still learning how to do that. But a lot of the things that I tell them, I feel like I'm also telling myself, you know, like, well, besides when I tell them, hey, you know what? You're 11 years old and you're this tall. When you're my age, like you're going to be so much taller and then I also follow it up with, you know, and you know what, me, I'm going to be the same height. You're going to be taller than me. Uh, but when you learn how to climb as a short climber and then you get taller, like you, I see a lot of youth climbers transition into taller bodies and some of them will still kind of climb like they're a short climber with like really high feet just because that's the way that they were used to climbing. And but now they don't have to do that. They can just reach everything, but they still get the really high heel and they rock up and it's really cool. Um, but I don't, I don't really know where that came from. I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that like, I just love climbing and how fun it is. And I don't want to not love it. And I think by me saying like, even if I don't finish a climb, I still got something from it. Like that's just me focusing on the part of it that I loved and there's just, there's always going to be a frustrating part of the climb that I'm going to encounter. And I don't know, like there, it could be another situation like today where I come back, like what, six years later and I find some other weird way to do it. Like, I don't, I feel like these days I don't really write off climbs anymore as being too reachy because I, it keeps happening where I won't be able to do something and then I'll revisit it every once in a while. And then one day it'll click and I'll figure out how to do it. But I probably would not have been able to do whatever beta I did today back then because I probably wasn't strong enough to do mm. that. And so I I feel like it's more of a like, oh, not yet. Mm -hmm. You're not ready yet. It's cool. And the thing that you said about the person who's making that grade thing for if you're shorter, like maybe it's this grade instead, like have I climbed the equivalent of what a V10 would feel like for me yet? Like I have no idea. Mm. I've always wondered that. Like, I've done some pretty weird shit. <laughs> mm -hmm. That like, have I put forth like V10 effort on a like, whatever. Random V7 or something. Yeah, yeah, like maybe, but also maybe not. And also I just love, I love the moment where you unlock that very last piece of the puzzle mm. and it just all goes. And then you're at the top and you're soaking it all in and you're just like, yeah, like, this is what it's about. Like, I love, 
Like I conquered something. Like uh, my my favorite thing is I went from there, the start, to there, standing on top of the boulder because my body did it. Mm. Like my body did that. Obviously my mind did it, but like there was no one, there was no one like unweighting my body. Like there was, like it was nothing but my physical body and obviously the climbing shoes that I have. Like it was my body and my shoes and my chalk. Those were my tools and my mind. And like, I did that. Like I did that and I deserve it. And like, love that. that's yeah. really cool. That's cool. Yeah. One of my favorite feelings in climbing, <clears throat> like obviously coming back to a climb and, and noticing that you're stronger is a really incredible feeling. Like I grew up in Leavenworth. And so coming back here, this is always my like, benchmark, right? Like yeah. I can, I can check back in on things that I've done a hundred times, or I can check back in on projects that I haven't done yet that always felt impossible. And it's so satisfying to feel like I'm stronger on these holds that I couldn't imagine holding before. Yeah. That's a great feeling. But even better than that, I think, is when you looked at something or tried something and you were like, I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't get like how to get from here to there. I don't, I like, there's not much to work with, you know, like are people using that? They couldn't possibly be using that hold. Like, I don't understand. And then you come back and you see the same boulder and you're like, oh, <laughs> you know, it yeah. just like, you see yeah. it and you're like, I don't know if I'm wiser or if my intuition has just grown or if I have new physical abilities that unlock new options so I can see things differently. But when you feel like I'm better now. Like I'm yeah. smarter. I have like a higher climbing IQ. Like that yeah. is so yeah. cool and so rewarding. Yes. Those little moments, mm -hmm. little rewarding moments keep my love for climbing pretty consistently on fire. Mm. Yeah. 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 Outdoor bouldering is the very tip top of the mountain for me. Like <laughs> climbing, cool. my, my love for climbing in general just my climbing life is just like a big mountain. And the very tip of that, my favorite thing for me is outdoor bouldering, mostly in Leavenworth. And then right underneath that is route setting. Route setting is so fun. Because mm. you're, instead of like going and doing the thing, you're chilling and making the thing for other people. It's like so cool. Mm. It's like going out to eat. I love going out to eat, but I also love cooking for other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, those two sides of it, that is really special. Yeah. Is there, are you a goal oriented person? Like, is there, do you have like an ultimate dream climb in Leavenworth? Is there like something that you think of when you think of outdoor bouldering in Leavenworth being at the top of that pyramid? Or is it just like the experience, the overall experience? I mean, I don't know. Not really. There's, it'd be really cool. And this isn't in Leavenworth, but there's a route that's like a V13. It's called It Takes a Village. And Sean Bailey did it. I think he's like 5'4 or something. He's not very tall. Where is that again? It's on the five-star boulder in Gold okay. Bar. Yeah. Which, dude, I don't know about Gold Bar. It's so greasy there all the time. I don't think I've ever touched anything in Gold Bar when it wasn't greasy. So maybe there are times. If there's times in Gold Bar where it's not greasy, someone needs to tell me because I <laughs> do not go when it's, it's that. It's tough to get good conditions ever. there. It's yeah. tough to get dry and not mm -hmm. warm and humid and whatever else. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's this like crimp line up the side of the five-star boulder. Like right when you walk up to it, there's just this blank face that has these, what to me, I perceive as very good small crimps. And I love small crimps. And I think that that would probably be the peak for me, mm. is that climb. 
But I've done absolutely nothing to prepare for it or try it. I've only just watched a couple of videos and was like, huh, if I was going to climb V13, like that would be the one, you know. But I also don't really, like I said, I don't really like going to Gold Bar. And I don't think there's anything like that in Leavenworth. But I really want to try Immortal. And I really want to try... Immortal Technique. Yeah. yeah. And I really want to try the 10 Inches Cave, which is actually yeah, yeah. my partner's cool. uh, first V10. Sick. Yeah. Yeah, not my husband, my partner, if that's not confusing. Um, <laughs> yeah, should we We should talk about that. We should talk about that. Yeah, um, we can talk about that. I don't know. I, so I have another question about confidence. Do you want to talk about oh, yeah. relationships or do you want to... No, you should ask me that one question. Okay. okay, yeah, let's close the loop on the confidence thing. Obviously, well, yeah, thanks for sharing all that about, about yeah. the climbing specific stuff. There was a line in the um in the notes that you sent me mm -hmm. that really stood out or maybe it was in the like a text message or something but you wrote this is me quoting you mm -hmm. you wrote i'm proud that i can say there are so many things about me and my life worth talking about which we know is something a lot of people especially women have a hard time saying and believing about themselves yeah i thought that was really cool and i wanted like it stood out to me because something I've noticed doing this podcast for a few years, basically every man believes that, that there's <laughs> something about themselves that's interesting. You know, every yeah. dude that I talk to is like, oh yeah, I, I could, I'm super interesting. Like I'll do the podcast. I could talk about myself for two hours and it is way harder to get women on the show. And it's, it's gotten easier over time because of course, like at first it was like, who's this guy? What's his deal? Yeah. You know, what is this thing? And now like, hopefully I've built trust and people at least if they haven't listened to the show they've they know someone who can kind of you know give me a you know they can they can touch base with to see like what's what's steven's deal and i try to have a balance of different folks on the show but it's i have to work a lot harder to get women on the show you did not have to work hard to get me on the show <laughs> do you want to tell people how i got on the show actually no, I'll, wanna... I'll, no I'll, yeah I'll, dude, I'll fucking tell people i my partner showed me your show like i'd never really listened to very many climbing podcasts i like to listen to true crime podcasts yeah a lot and he showed me one episode and i don't really know which one it was but i remember we were like doing a workout and we had like at the gym and we had we were sharing headphones and we were doing the like share like what you're listening to with somebody nearby thing um and we're listening to an episode. I think it might have been the Natasha Barnes episode, actually, now that I think about it. Yeah, it was really cool. good. Okay. Um, and I was like, man, this podcast is like really good. I think I think I'll keep listening to it because I need podcasts to fill my time. Cause man, when it's quiet, my brain gets really loud, mm. which I've learned is my ADHD that I've now being treated for but mm. kept listening to your podcast and the some of the women that you've had on your podcast are just like really great um and it was like a mini mini dream project i was like man i wish i could be i, I hope one day <laughs> i can be cool enough or interesting enough to be on the nugget like that would be sick because at that point I had already been on like four, no, three podcast episodes, like one climbing podcast that isn't around anymore, another women empowerment podcast, and then this other climbing podcast. That I don't really know if they're doing anything anymore. And I was like, man, it would be really cool to be on the nugget. Just the people that you've interviewed. Oh my gosh. Like it really is an honor being able to sit in front of this microphone and like stare at you 
while we're talking and know that like people are going to listen to this. Like that's really cool to me. And I knew it would just be a huge honor to be on the podcast. And I don't know what kind of stick I had up my ass that day, but I was like, you know what? I'm just... Maybe I'll just like slide in to his DMs. Like you, you <laughs> we, had we connected, right? Like you, did yeah. you like share a story or there was there I was did, so, yeah there was yeah. something that it was it, it was Cat's episode. Uh, I had quoted something that he had said um, just about trans people in climbing, and there's a lot of like my gym just has so many queer people, really good amount of trans people, and just the fact that trans people and queer people in general feel comfortable in this space that I facilitate is a huge compliment. Mm. And I do not take that lightly yeah. at all. I'm very serious about that. And so when, when there are, when these people are showing up, I am, I feel validated that I am doing something right and that I am succeeding in serving my community. So that's amazing. Um, and so that episode with Kat was super great and I reposted it and I said, I think you liked it. And then I said, by the way, like huge fan of your podcast. You're honestly one of the best interviewers I have ever heard for like literally anything. And I still believe that today. That has not changed, obviously. Thank you. Yeah. And also just your voice is like, I'm sure you've been told that your voice is really calming to listen to, like speaking. It is. And um, okay. I and can't I take credit for that. That's my, that's my folks. Yeah. Thanks mom and dad. That's just, yeah. that's just lucky, I think, but. You're really eloquent and you're really easy to listen to. And I wanted to tell you that because I also very much believe one of my core rules for myself is that if you see something in somebody that you like or appreciate, you should tell them mm. because it is only going to do good that they know that that thing is having a good impact. Um, also, and I mean this in the most platonic way possible your laugh is so cute <laughs> i don't know what it is like so platonically i just want to tell you i'm not hitting on you your laugh is so adorable anyway after telling you i'm blush i'm blushing right now <laughs> <laughs> good um after telling you that you're like one of the best interviewers just like fucking just buttering you up i'm also i follow it up with hey i just want to let you know if you're ever interested in interviewing a woman who's in the climbing industry, like social media influencer stuff, whatever, like I'd be totally willing to do it. Like it'd be an honor and just kind of left it at that. And then when you were like, yeah, I was like, sick. <laughs> it was a little bit easier than I thought it was going to be. So, um, but I'm going to get, I'm going to get so many people sliding into my DMS now. <laughs> no, see, I know. And that's why I like, <laughs> no, I, I mean, here's, here's the thing from my perspective of all that is like, I don't know. I, I talk about being an engineer and I am kind of wired that way, but I'm also kind of like a weird, like I'm a musician and I'm kind of got that weird vibey artist thing. A lot of the decisions that I make in my life are super just go by feel. I don't overthink things. I don't plan a ton of stuff. I don't have my next 20 guests lined up. I have an overwhelmingly long list of guest recommendations and people that I'm psyched to talk to. And I just kind of like let things unfold. And when someone, when someone who seems like a badass comes, you know, comes forward and says something really kind that shows me that you like, you mean it. Like you clearly oh, yeah. 
actually listened to the show to have shared what you shared about Kat's episode. If you're vibing with that sort of episode, I know that we're going to like be friends, you know, like we're going to have a lot in common just based on the fact that you appreciate that kind of depth and conversation and you're not only in it for the training advice or you're not, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot there. And then when you say you're honored, you would be honored to be on the show. I mean, I'm still the guy that was stuck in his cubicle using podcasts to like get through the day who had this crazy idea, who had no idea if it would work, you know, like, and it, it, it worked, but I don't feel any different. And so that's still like, I get it. And I I appreciate it so much. And it like really warms my heart. And I also feel like uncomfortable every time anyone (laughs) says something like that, because I'm just like, we're here. I'm in my van. I'm in Leavenworth. And like, how the fuck is it that that this is happening, you know? And it's like, it's my favorite thing about it that I get to meet people like you and have conversations like this. And I just, I just kind of knew like, this one's going to be good. This one's going to be cool. Like Steph seems cool. And I I think she's going to be really interesting. And I don't, I don't know why yet, but Hmm. it's, it's just interesting how much you, I don't know. I don't, I try not to spend a ton ton of time on Instagram and I know everything on there is curated, but you do get clues about who people are and, it doesn't take a lot of communication and back and forth to to get something that like some deep part of you knows something about, you know, like some part of me was like, this is a yes. I don't know why. Wouldn't be able to articulate it, but like, yeah, it's, it's, it's an honor to have you here. So that's really cool. Um, and you're the only, you're the only guest who's ever made me a handmade gift and it's like my Wait, new, really? it's my new favorite thing. I think so. Oh I'm really, gosh. I'm really sorry if I'm forgetting anybody, but <laughs> yeah, I mean, like this is amazing. I it's hilarious. Now, yeah, it's hilarious. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. Like my partner and I last night right were just so excited to see how this was going to play out because it's so funny. Oh my gosh, yeah. And to fully close that loop. I don't think that I would have reached out and put myself out there and asked you to be on your podcast if I didn't fully believe what I, what you had read there that like, I do think that like there are a lot of interesting things about me. So where does that self-belief comes from? Where, where does that self-belief come from for you personally? Because a lot of people yeah. struggle with that. A lot of women especially struggle with that. And, um, and I just need to know, like, if that's something that just comes easy, no. if it's always been there, where'd no, it come from? It's not. But I do think that I have gotten enough affirmation from people that what I am doing is good. Because that's all I want is for all of my impact to be good. Like, that is my my biggest number one thing. It's like, I just want to be good to people and impact people positively and I get so anxious that I could ever do anything but that because I last thing I want to do is cause harm to anyone in any situation Um, and I have gotten a lot of affirmation from a lot of people that are very important to me that I look up to and respect a lot that what I am doing is good in ways that you know it like speaks to my character it's not like oh you sending whatever route, like that's good. It's like what you are doing here, the person that you are. The, the community that, the that community, you've built. Yeah, like all of that. The and vibe that you've curated. My my curated vibe. And <laughs> I I also 
like I, as much as I can, I try to look around and see the goodness and believe people when they tell me that that's the thing. And I don't know, I don't know why I can do it, but I can, and there's still sometimes where I can't, but like, I can believe somebody when they say, Hey, what you are doing here is like really good. And also it, and I don't want to say it's the followers, my Instagram followers, but there are clearly multiple thousands of people that like what I'm doing. And there's a little bit of that notoriety that does give me confidence as well. But that all wouldn't be there if I think that all wouldn't be there if what I was putting out was fake in any way. Like this is truly genuinely me. Like I don't, there isn't really anything that I'm ashamed or afraid to talk about mm. openly and honestly, because I just, I like, I like opening conversation about crazy things that people should talk about more. Mm. So. That's really, really cool. It's, it's amazing that you've been able to hear people and believe them when they've, when they've given you the, those sort of affirmations and, Again, I'm going to relate it to myself. I, th I think it's like we have a kind of a parallel thing. Yeah. I, I just, I've been really surprised at how, <laughs> I've been surprised at how the feedback from doing this show has changed me and my self esteem and my belief in myself and my confidence. I think I wanted to be and probably still want to be a person who's really self reliant and has all that coming from inside and doesn't need that from the outside. But because it's not like the superficial stuff doesn't mean anything to me. If someone's like, like you have a great podcast voice or like you're really attractive or like you climb hard or anything like that. It's like, that's nice, but it, you know, it doesn't change how I think about myself. But when, when someone says like, I'm so grateful for the way you held space for this one person that you talk to because what they had to say changed my life like that like i'm getting shiver like i'm getting goosebumps right now just that's saying what you're that, doing right like yeah yeah and that it, it's it's been yeah it's been shocking how um affirming that has been and in a lot of cases it's from people that i've never even met it's from people yeah. on the internet and there is something about having so many people following along that makes you feel as though like I must be doing some things right. Like that, that's really, it's really encouraging. On the flip side of that, I want to mm -hmm. ask you about this. Like the thing that's a huge pain in the ass about human psychology and our hardwiring is that one negative comment oh, outweighs like a hundred amazing <sighs> positive comments. And I've gotten a lot better at this and I'm still, I yeah. think I have a lot of you know, growth in this area to work, to work on. And, um, it just kind of gets easier with time, but how do you deal with trolls? Do you get trolls? Oh man. Surprisingly, I don't get very many. Like I can, I can highlight a couple, like there was one. Share their, you share their, uh, <laughs> they're at, yeah, they're at, <laughs> drop it in the, drop it in the show notes. Um, there was one time where there was one person who commented on this compilation video that I had made of me using my flexibility to do pretty crazy things on the wall. And their comment was, well, women always have to like, just referring to how flexibility in women is inherently sexual. Like women always are sexualizing things by showing yeah. off their flexibility. Actually, that that's what it was. Yeah. Like, why do I, I women... just read your response post or saw that. that was <laughs> yeah. Great. Why yeah. do women have to like 
like make everything like sexual, like with flexibility or whatever. And I was like, man, that's rough because if you've ever been a gen- in a gymnastics gym where there's like little girls and them being flexible, I really don't think that that's sexual. That's fuck. Mm. That's pretty fucking weird, bro. Yeah, it's pretty fucking weird that you would say that. Also, like stretching, don't think that's sexual. It's good for your health, man. Uh, <laughs> like that's pretty. That's pretty weird. Um, a lot of my friends and even my husband will like slide into the comments and be like, yeah, man, like what the fuck? Or like, like, that's pretty dumb. You know, um, I, nothing that anyone say, says like that's trolly. I can ever like believe is true. Mm. Cause it's just like, so not true. It's like, you're saying that cause you don't know me. Mm-hmm. Which if you ever knew me, like there's absolutely no way that would come out of your mouth unless you were just a crazy fucking person. Because like I said, again, my gym is just filled with incredible people. So like I've never felt any sort of disrespect from anyone. Like my... Like face to face. Yeah, face to face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, my bosses, my staff below me, below me. Um, and anyone in the community, I have, I don't feel like I have ever received, which I feel like is extremely rare and extremely privileged that I can say this as a woman. I've never felt treated any differently because I'm a woman. I do feel like maybe people are a little bit more in awe of the things that I do. Like, oh God, she's a girl and she does this. It's like (laughs) a little bit more badass. Oh my God, she's on a ladder. She has a tool belt. (laughs) Jesus Christ. She's changing, she's changing the bits from her driver. Is that annoying Um, at all? Does that feel patronizing? Yeah, when a man tries to hold my ladder. Oh, yeah. Oh my god. Like it's actually scarier when you hold my ladder because I don't know where it is. Like I my balance is actually like really good and I can mm-hmm. feel Yeah, it's just it's dumb, but I've never really had that happen. So when that does happen, it just feels so fake and I immediately like don't internalize any of it and just clock it as bullshit. Do you find your subconscious like do you get stuck on it sometimes though? Cause that's something that, that I still struggle with. I guess I'm just a sensitive person uh, and I, I don't know. Like I, I do think I'm like just getting used to it. I think it's just, you get thrown into something that you weren't ready for. And it's really weird to have people feel like they just have access to you and be able to say whatever they want. For instance, like I'll get, you know, some really, really critical feedback about something that I didn't ask for. Mm. And it's really like, I don't take it personally at all. And I often like will consider it because I want to be better at what I do. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I'll, I'll like take it with a grain of salt, but I will think about it. But if it's just someone who's angry and wants to be pissed off, I don't take it personally because look, I don't respect you because I don't know you and yeah. you just submitted something anonymously and you're just angry like that, yeah. that, you know, I, tr- I would feel like, I would feel deep feelings if someone that I love, exactly. that I respect, gave me critical feedback that was hard to swallow. Oh, that's so hard. And it would for probably me. change my life, yes, right? Like absolutely. it would be really powerful. I could cry for anyone doing that to me. Totally. That I love. Yeah. But the the thing that is annoying and bothers me, and maybe it's just our human hardwiring, is that even though I know that rationally and I'm not taking it to heart and I'm not like I don't have my hurt. I don't have hurt feelings about it. My brain will just kind of go into like lawyer defense mode Mm. and just for the rest of the day, just kind of be like in the background, like writing a story about why they're wrong. 
Yeah. Do you I, do you ever do that? Like it's yes, it's uh, yes, absolutely. It annoys the shit out of me. I'm just like, stop giving this person your mental energy. Like they don't deserve it. And yes. you're you're just going around in circles trying to like convince yourself of of you know your preferred narrative about whatever this thing is that they're angry about. That's really only happened to me a couple times. Like there was there was a point in time where I had done this climb that I had started the route differently than how you're supposed to start the route. You were supposed to start like this. And I started on a hold like this, which made this whatever big move, not as big or whatever, and did different beta. And there were people that like commented, well, you're actually supposed to start like this. And I'm just like, I, I would do that same thing. Like, like that move is really hard for me. Like those people can just reach it. Where like for me, like if I were to do that move, I'd be so spanned out that it literally hit my face on the wall and like they don't understand. Um, and then there's also like really contrived climbs that like you have to literally do exactly what the guidebook says. Or if someone sees that you don't do that, they will again, quote the guidebook at you. Like it's the Bible. Like Busted, for example, there was one time where I did what I thought was the stand to busted, but instead of doing like the bust move, that's really big. I like kind of bypassed that side pull under cling and like kind of took this other route and then went up, which like obviously was not as hard. And people came into the comments and were like, what well, you didn't do the bust move. Like that's not actually whatever grade it is. And there were, it was really hurtful to see that those comments got a fuck ton of likes mm. and that was really hard. And so I got like really embarrassed and was like, wow, like I usually get praised for finding alternate beta, but this time I did it. And like people mm. are saying this to me, but then like I, I understood where they were coming from. Cause the guidebook does say like, you have to come up to this right hand under cling side pull, get like your healer a toe. And then you got to do a big left hand bust move from that hold out to the seam. And yes, that the value of that move is so much harder than what I did, even though what I did like might be hard for somebody else. And so I totally got that, but I also felt like there was maybe another way to present that information rather than just commenting and then having a bunch of people like it. And mm. now I'm like, all right, cool. Cause I didn't think that I could do, you know, the move that I'm talking about, yeah, right? Yeah. I'm busted. Yeah, it's huge. yeah. And I actually went back the following week and did it. Sick. And I deleted that other video and I found beta that worked for me. And, uh, I can do it very consistently now, but also the foot that I'm standing on, I'm pretty sure someone shipped it because it used to just be like this little smear mm. that a lot of short people use, um, taller people might not even know what I'm talking about, but like if you're a short person, when you're setting up for the bust move on that route, you get like this left heel, but you also have a like smeary right foot that's like going to be um, what pushes you up. And uh, it used to just be this little thing that you kind of had to like boop, 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 like smear into and like, like get your foot to like kind of settle into. And now it's just this edge that you can just toe into pretty easily and just stand right up on, mm. which makes it way easier to get ups for that move. So like, I mean, yeah, the rock is ever changing. And also why, why do we do this sport? It's so silly. Mm. But we, you know, I love it. It doesn't matter. But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's, that's a time where it was like really hard and it pissed me off. And I was like, why, why are people doing this? Why am I giving this like my energy? Um, but also, you know what? Like I can kind of see the value in what they're saying. 
I'm going to go back and try to do it the way that the guidebook describes so I can have that experience that the guidebook is putting out, not the experience that these people think I should have. Um, whoever FA'd this and did it that way, that was the intended experience that they wanted people to have. And like, I love climbing and I want to try that too. Seems like a cool challenge. Mm. And it ended up being really good for me. Cool. That's super cool. So yeah. And we will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Chalk Cartel. I've been using their chalk for a few years now. And now Chalk Cartel has a new product called the Taco Skin Sander. The taco is made by a company called Crux Climbing in Spain. And Chalk Cartel is the exclusive distributor of the taco in the US. Climbers have been using skin sanders and files for decades, but I've always preferred something round. I find that if I use a flat file, I can't really get into the creases between the pads of my skin. And those creases are usually when I get bunchy calloused skin that might turn into a flapper or a split a crease split if I'm not careful. The Taco Skin Sander is perfect. It's got this nice rounded beveled edge. You can use whatever shape on it you want. You can use a more flat shape. You can use a more curved shape. You can really get in there and sand all the parts of your skin that are rough or torn. Get rid of those little nicks and things that might catch on the rock. Keep your skin looking amazing between every burn. I bring this thing with me to the crag, bouldering, sport climbing. I bring it with me every time I go climbing and I use it all the time. It also comes with two different grits of sandpaper, which is super handy. You can use the more coarse grit to really rough up your skin. I almost always use the fine grit. I actually have my taco set up with two pieces of fine sandpaper. You can either have it mixed or matched or choose one or the other. I like the fine stuff. That's plenty of sanding power for me. I use it all the time. I absolutely love this thing. So check it out. Go to chalkcartel.com to pick up your very own taco skin sander from Crux and pick up some chalk while you're at it. Again, you can head to chalkcartel.com and use code NUGGET at checkout for 20% off your next purchase. That's chalkcartel.com and get ready to join the cartel. And now back to the show. Yeah, my my brain's bouncing around. I was just thinking more about like the lawyer in my brain, you know, making the case. And I, I think something I've learned is that when that lawyer is the loudest and the most persistent and like we have to break down this case and, you know, prove that we're right and they're wrong and they're stupid and whatever, it's usually when I have some insecurity around whatever that idea is. Like exactly. maybe maybe I like, maybe I said something or have like a stance or a perspective that I can't a hundred percent stand behind yeah. because I don't know enough about it yeah. or like, and, and what always helps is remembering that like, I'm not here to, to like, I, I didn't want my role in doing the podcast or my role in the climbing community to be that of someone who knows stuff that they want to share with other people. I just want to be the person asking questions yeah. and making people think, differently by asking better questions and oh my god you do such a good job thank that. you i that's that's a huge reason why i think you're like one of the best interviewers thanks ever yeah your questions are so good like how you ask people what is one thing that you wish people spent more time thinking about you got one ready well i mean yeah i think i think i do like i've i've been thinking about that question for a while um but that's like well yeah that's one thing 
we should spend more time thinking about things that people should spend more time thinking about. <laughs> like, that's really great. Like yeah. things people should spend more time thinking about or like how, how we can be better to each other as people. Like, that's just like one thing, you know, and yeah. you keep bringing up that concept and it makes people think more deeply about things that are important to them. Yeah. I, I just know that. Yeah. I mean, I love, I think questions are really fucking powerful. I think questions have the, the potential to change our relationships with other people, our relationships with ourselves. Like they're kind of everything. If you're not asking yourself the right questions, you're never going to get where you want to go in life. You know, exactly. if you want to change something about yourself, but you're not asking the right questions and you're not actually open mm -hmm. to those questions, how can you ever find the right path? You know? Um, so everything kind of starts with questions, but I also know that for myself, if I think I'm sure about something, if I'm fired up on a topic and I have a point of view and I want other people to know it and it, it feels like I'm spreading the good word, you know, it feels like yeah. I'm back in like, like Sunday school or whatever <laughs> being taught that like I have to save people and there's all this pressure and then like you feel fucking weird and guilty about telling people what to think and I, I just always feel so much better when I come back to curiosity. Like, I don't know. But but these are seen this tattoo that I have. Yeah, I saw. Oh yeah. What's it say? Less it's less, less certain, certain, more curious. curious. I know. I also noticed that you had one on your arm that said "Saved by Grace." Oh yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I sure do, don't I? Yeah, I know. I mean, like that's I got this. Less certain, more curious. Yeah, yeah I got I this tattooed that. on me because like that literally curiosity and asking questions is like one of the main avenues out of organized religion mm. you know when you start picking things apart it's like the main avenue out of being in like a a judgmental camp yes. of any kind yeah. like it's it's happening a lot all over the place now and like it breaks my heart that i see it happening among some people that i'm mm -hmm. like really aligned with you know as far as like wanting a more progressive accepting world like don't be in a camp and and be so certain about everything certainty is a trap yeah it's absolutely a trap yeah. I, yeah. I mean, that, that's what works for me. Like when I'm, when I'm noticing like, oh, I'm actually insecure about something. What, what is it that bothered me about that comment? Why yeah. is it that I'm defending myself? Usually it is because I'm like stepping more into certainty. Yeah. And when I come back to curiosity and like, I don't really know anything, I'll probably change my mind about this a bunch more times in my life because I have already, you yeah. know, um, I kind of find my ground again. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that's so true I mean there's certain things that you feel like you could never do for whatever reason or certain certain viewpoints you feel like you could never jive with and then you're just you get curious about it and then you get to hear and understand other people's perspectives and then it shifts it shifts the way that you think it changes you I don't know like I never thought that I could be married and have a partner and have that work in my life. Nice segue. It's my fifth podcast interview. So why did you want to talk about that today? Um, I talk about a lot of things very openly on my Instagram and in person with people like there's, I don't really think there's anything in my life that I'm 
embarrassed to talk about or ashamed to talk about. Like I will literally tell you about how I sharded my pants in Joshua tree last December. Like, I don't know. I, I think it also has to do with like, I know that people will think it's funny and they, it won't really change the way people think about me if I'm open and honest about something. Cause in my life, all I've seen is when you're open and honest about something and bring something to the light that a lot of people keep in the dark and don't want to talk about it is usually only good that comes from it. Yeah. Like almost always. Um, I mean, people are like, why are there so many queer people now? Well, it's because these people feel more comfortable. Feel safe. More safe coming more out safe, into the light. Finally. There were gay people when I was, yeah, <laughs> no, there were, but because of people like you, they, they hid, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, being in a relationship setup that I am in is, as far as I know, like really uncommon. Like, I don't really know very many other people that have this type of lifestyle. I mean, I know maybe like one other person that like happens to be at my gym and like, it's rare. It really is. And it's very unique. And it's something that mostly all people just kind of write off as something that they could never do. Could like that. That's not for me. I could never do that. I could never stand by and watch my partner love somebody else. But like, if you think about, if you break down just that one thing I just said, like I could never stand by and watch my partner love somebody else. If you flip it the other way, you get to stand there and watch your partner love somebody that they very care about and watch them be loved by somebody that they care about. It's just kind of like looking at it differently. Um, Hangups with, I guess the concept of polyamory are usually centered around jealousy and insecurity, which also forces you to very uncomfortably look deeply and inward at yourself and the things that you struggle with and the hangups that you have and it forces you to confront them and it's like really healthy and you grow a lot from it and it's really weird too it's it's very uncomfortable but there are just really positive conclusions to arrive at like oh no i can't be my partner's everything becomes oh like i don't have to i don't have to become my partner's everything you know, like you're, no one can meet all of your needs. And maybe we act like people do, you know, people are like, oh, we got, I got married and you know, this person is my everything. Like, I'm sure that there are things like, there are things that you get from other relationships that that relationship doesn't give you, you know, like it's, it's just really honest. Cause have you, I mean, this might be too much to ask, Go but like, have you ever, been like in a relationship and then had a really close friend that you like like I feel like if I didn't control myself I could fall in love with this person or like mm. like I I have a little light crush on this person but like you purposely kind of like keep it under wraps and not think about it because in your mind that's cheating on your partner you of know course. yeah especially like, yeah especially I'm, I'm immediately thinking of like my Christian days my college like ministry days where I was like in this college ecosystem and still in that world. And um, yeah, especially dating in that world was really weird. I remember like, you know, as the guy leading yeah. on several friends of mine, because I mm. thought we were just going to have coffee and like, 
you know, whatever, praying together. And oh, that's, gosh. It's like yeah. they, they think we're going to get married next week or something. Did God tell them that you were their husband? He and, might have. I can't speak yeah. for them, but yeah. <laughs> you get the vibe. And, uh, and, and yeah, of course, like I kind of learned at that stage in my life, like I don't get to have certain types of relationships with women. Yeah. Full ex- stop. Correct. Right. Exactly. Like, I, especially if I'm dating someone, like I need to respect my partner by just putting like pumping the brakes and being like really friend zone towards my other female friends. And like, you know, of course there's, there's something there. Like I, if I, I've never been in an open relationship. I've never tried polyamory. I think I'm open to it. I think what I, this is a tangent, but I'll bring it back. Like talking to you earlier today, I mentioned that, um, for a long time, I just thought like, um, that's not for me. I'm just not wired that way. Yeah. And then I finally realized, oh, I've just never been in a super secure relationship before. And so I was trying to imagine myself in an open relationship with that backdrop of insecurity and anxious attachment and feeling unsure about, you know, whether my partner is committed to me and loves me, all that sort of stuff. So I would love to be in, first off, in a relationship where I feel so secure that that's anything beyond that's even an option. Um, but I, I love the, I love that what you're doing necessitates building that security and working on that security all the time. Um, where was I? I'm, I needed to come back to something. Oh yeah. But, um, having a relationship and feeling like you can't have a certain type of relationship with someone else. Like one, one rule that I have for myself personally is that if I was with a committed partner and had a really close, intimate friendship with another woman, I would never tell that friend things that I wouldn't tell my partner, right? Mm. Or things about our relationship. Right. I would never do that because that something feels icky there. That's, you know, that feels like secretive. That feels like I'm not being fully open and trusting and, and like respecting of my partner. But um, yeah, like it's taken me a lot of years to kind of peel away the layers of programming from my upbringing. And it's fascinating to kind of realize that someone's love for someone else doesn't take away from their love for you. And if you're a grown up, and even if you're monogamous and you've been in multiple relationships, like that was something that I really internalized after falling in love with multiple people, not at the same time, but just. I'm 34, I've dated lots of people and I've really been in love with some of them. And I I know now that my love for, you know, girlfriend over here has no bearing on my love for this previous person that I that I shared time with. Like yeah. it's not like this single entity or this like finite amount that you're drawing from, you know, a bucket or something and you give all of it to them and then you take it all back and then you give it to someone else. Like that's not how love works but it seems like a fuck ton of work to do what you're doing there is a calendar yeah there's like a like you can get a shared calendar um my husband likes to text me and say this is all of my plans for the week um let's make sure we're intentional about planning like days that we get to spend together and like let me know if like you and your partner like already have plans like he's he without him and like you were saying before like he just seems like a rock star like really level-headed and chill like without his like support 
in all of this and just the the general willingness to work on his own self like he did all of this work on his himself like like no one had to ask him that's something that he wanted to do and he was actually okay with me being with somebody else that wasn't him in addition to him before I was okay with it like mm. I when I first when we first transitioned into this stage of our relationship I like I like didn't eat for like multiple days because my body felt so uncomfortable it was wrestling with like like you're doing this thing that before used to represent harm to somebody else but then I had to come to terms with the fact that like cheating is what you personally define it as yeah you and you and your partner yeah 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 like my husband is like you and your husband yeah. me and my husband like he he's very very supportive of the relationship I have with my partner and also would be excited for me to have experiences with other people um, if that's what I want whereas my partner um he's not like it's not that he's not excited for me wants to limit me or anything that's just not a level of comfort that we have arrived at because we've only been together for almost two years so where if i were to go sleep with somebody which first of all let's normalize people sleeping with each other because it happens you know people do it all the time and we enjoy it we love it it's great and we do it whenever we want to, and that's how it should be. How long did it take you to unpack the Christian shame around that? Oh my God, dude, the, the amount of podcasts. <laughs> more more or less than a decade. Oh my gosh. <laughs> well, oh, there's so much I could go into about that. It, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the first person I ever like had sex with was my husband before marriage, and that was like like really hard for me, you know? But being getting to be surrounded by people who are like sex positive and like listening to a lot of sex positive podcasts. Cause I think I knew what I wanted to be and how I wanted to feel about sex before I actually arrived there. Um, that really helped a lot, but yeah, like my, my husband and I have like a certain expectation for our relationship where like, it's almost like he, he couldn't really cheat on me because we've established like, listen, like if these are things that you want to do, like, and it might be different for other people like, Hey, like just let me know beforehand. Or even like, you don't even have to tell me like, don't worry about it. Um, but my, my partner and I, like that is not, um, the arrangement of our relationship. And so like, there are things that I could do that would be considered cheating to my partner, but not to my husband and my husband. Mm. Actually, if I did do anything like that, he would be mad at me because it would be causing harm to my partner who like, they are like pretty good friends. And, like have this really deep respect for each other and like truly love each other. Like they've, I've heard them say like, love you, man. That's so weird. That's so weird. Anybody would think that's so weird. And you know, what's even weirder. Oh my gosh, people will not believe this, but it's true. When I first, when I first had a conversation with my husband about like, you know what? I feel like I've done the, like I've done enough work where I feel like we could maybe try moving our relationship into this next phase of being like open, you know, like I am his second really deep relationship ever that he's ever had. And uh, he is, I mean, I've had a lot of boyfriends, but I mean, like he is the first person that I've really been that vulnerable, like physically, emotionally with. And um, we both acknowledge that there are a lot of 
things that we did not do. A lot of people that we didn't let ourselves experience because of whatever reason for him. Um, maybe he never got like the opportunity or he just, you know, he was with that one other person. For me, I, it was all just like, nope, the church said not to do that. So I'm not going to do any of that. And so there's a lot of experiences I didn't get to have. And that's like, also, that's fine. Also, I don't feel like I need to, I don't feel like there's things that I need to do. Anything that I feel like I need to do, I'm like doing, but just the acknowledgement of that, like us getting to have sexual and or romantic, intimate relationships and experience with other people, like that doesn't change the love and commitment and partnership that we have with each other. I wonder if it's even strengthened it. Oh yeah, because we literally choose each other every day. Mm. Like I choose, I still choose him every day. And it's, it's really cool. Cause he, he knows, we both know a lot of really dope people. And like, I don't really, I don't think I talk as highly about anyone else as I do about my husband, just cause he really is like that cool of a person. It's insane. And like, like here, okay, here's how cool he is. Okay. So when I finally say like, Hey, I think like we could maybe like be in an open relationship. Um, like it'd be, I think it would be cool and valuable for you to be able to like explore like sexual relationships because one thing that I struggled with is equating sex and intimacy to love when he never had that, that like idea because he didn't grow up Christian because we were told, you know, when a man and a woman become one flesh, you know, there's this attachment that forms and if the bond is broken, it's so painful and blah, blah, blah. But he did not equate sexual and romantic or sorry, sexual like intimacy and physical stuff with um, like romantic and like intimate, like love and partnership. And to me, that was crazy for so long. And he's like, I feel like I could have, like, I just want to like be able to have that experience and like enjoy that. Um, I don't necessarily have to be like in love with them. And that was crazy business Mm. to me. But like, he says that like, and he's, you know, he's been able to do like have some exploring and like his love for me has not changed. And I, it's just another moment in my life where someone tells me that that's their experience and I believe them Mm. even though whatever is getting in the way of it is purely just me my own insecurities and how I view the world just me putting that filter on when I see and or hear what someone else is doing you know what I mean Mm -hmm. um but when I okay so back to the story when I first told him like hey I think that we could I think I'm ready to do this he was like oh like like is there somebody that like you're interested in like being with or whatever or or like talking to and I was like no there's nobody I just you know it's there's no one but I was starting to have feelings for the person that is not my partner and like that was really uncomfortable and I I didn't want to address it and I didn't want to deal with it because I still felt really icky about it for no like real reason honestly and then the next day I texted him I was like hey so there actually is someone I'm interested in it's this person And he was like, actually, no, that is not what happened. I said, hey, there is someone I'm interested in. And he said, is it Mm. insert name here? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, yeah, because he's awesome. Like, that's not surprising. He's awesome. And I was like, oh, he's like, are you going to do anything about it? And I was like, I don't know because there is a bit of an age difference. And I don't know if he'd be down for that because like, he like knows and loves and respects both of us. I don't know if 
because some people are like really weird about it. They would be like, oh no, like I would feel really uncomfortable being in that situation. And I was like, I don't think I'll do anything about it. And he jokingly, my husband was like, huh, well, what if you bring out the big guns and have me talk to him? And I was like, actually, I feel like that would be a good idea because hearing it from you, it would be absolutely without a doubt, like, wow, like this, if I were to enter into this with Steph, her husband is in support of it. Mm. And that made it less scary. And I was like, well, this person is a really open and like chill person. I think he will either like, I don't even know if he likes me, but he'll either be like, yeah, sure. Or like, no, like I'm not really interested in that. I don't think that that type of setup is for me, but like, I appreciate the, the offer. Like it's flattering that, you know, she feels that way. So Julian calls this person on the phone, <laughs> calls him on the phone and is like all awkward. And I know this is happening because I am, he's in a room with the door closed and I'm outside the door with my ear pressed up to the door. <laughs> like my heart is racing. I feel like I'm going to vomit and shit my pants all at the same time. And I hear him finally drop the bomb and say, so yeah, like, you know how, how Steph and I are like, you know, we're not like super monogamous. Well, we've decided to like fully open our relationship. And basically she told me that she has feelings for you. And my husband told me later that his response was, Oh, <laughs> and Julian's like, yeah. So basically like, I just want to say like, if that was something you were interested in exploring, like I'm in full support of it. Um, Steph knows I'm having this conversation with you. So either way, just like let her know she's expecting to hear from you and no worries if not, but like definitely think about it. Don't feel like you have to respond now. And I found out later that my partner, after we got off the phone, he was like, well, Julian told me that I should wait. So I guess I'll just wait 20 minutes. So I laid face down on my bed, just like, this is going to be weird. He's probably super grossed out and weirded out and is not interested in this at all. But then I get a text from him saying like, hey, as you know, Julian reached out to me and told me what's going on. And uh, basically, yes, I'm interested. You're amazing. You're beautiful. And you're somebody who I really like love and appreciate as a friend. And I think it'd be really cool to see where this goes. And uh, ever since then, that was in 2021, December 18th, 2021. And now it's September 13th, 14th or something, 2023. Yeah. And so it's, 13th. yeah, we've been living in this life ever since. And so I spend For two years. Yeah. Almost two years. Yeah. I spend half my time. I mean, honestly, I don't really know. I'm not going to give any percentages, but I spend time at my house with my husband and I spend time at my partner's house and it's twice the dishes and twice the laundry. <laughs> um, but it's also like, it's, it's a lot of really great love. Cause like, my husband actually told me, he's like, man, like, I want you to know that I love you so much, but sometimes it's like really nice to just have a night to myself. And I was like, oh, cool. And so he started doing this thing where he would, he's like, I'm like dating myself. And he would like take bubble baths and like with candles and shit. This guy. Oh my God, dude. God. He, he's so wild. He's such a, God, he's so crazy. I don't even know. But yeah, he, and he also like, he does a lot of Magic the Gathering and D&D. &D, so he has his time filled with that. Mm. And so when he's doing that with his friends, like I'm like, okay, well, I'm just going to go hang out with, with my partner. 
Um, and so, yeah, we, we coordinate our schedules to try to make sure that we're spending like, like getting good enough time, like good quality time together. And, uh, whenever there's jealousy, it's usually like, it's not really jealousy. It's like, I miss you and want to spend more time with you. Or like, I'm sorry that I've been so busy lately. Can we please plan time? It's not like I'm directing my anger at your partner because they're the reason that I don't get to have you. Mm. It's, it's more just like, Hey, can we, it, it forces you to be more intentional because mm. I'm sure and that honest and honest, honest with yourself with what you're feeling. Yeah. yeah. And if, if I'm making you feel a certain way, I might not be realizing it because I'm over here in this NRE, which stands for new relationship energy where like you just, it's tunnel vision. You have no mm -hmm. idea what's going on except for that person right in front of you. You're psyched out of your mind. You're, you're just fucking buzzing mm -hmm. constantly. Yeah. And, um, we like through the hiccups have like, I think developed this really cool, you could call it a system of just living our lives authentically. And one thing my partner brought up about me being open about this is, man, like, I don't want to... We should say that, that you've like, you've talked about this, about about talking about this yeah. with your husband, with your partner. And yeah, like, yeah, totally. Yeah, and my partner was like, yeah, like I, I figured that you would want to talk about it with Steven. And I was like, yeah, because he also is a fan of the show. Like he's the one that showed me the show. Um, and he was like, like, yeah, like let's just kind of, let's just kind of talk through like what I would be comfortable with and what I wouldn't be comfortable with and why so that you can understand. I'm like, yeah, totally. And um, he basically just said like, like I know that it's important for you to talk about it. And I know that it's important for you to bring visibility and that he personally doesn't feel that same responsibility, but um, he understands why it's important to me. And I was like, that's really cool. Um, and yeah, I don't know. We, yeah, people will notice that we haven't said your partner's name at all yeah. in this whole conversation. So that's part of it too, his, you know, their comfort level, which is great. How would you summarize, you've kind of already talked, touched on it, but like, how would you summarize why it's important to you? I mean, it's, it's it's just because it's such a taboo still and because people in these types of relationships still have to still feel judged and still feel like maybe some shame around it or feel like they have to hide it in certain circles or among certain people or just, it's not normalized. So like you can't just talk about your husband and your partner at, you know, at the brewery with new friends and and um and not be worried about what they might think and it like is it because of all those reasons is it just like continuing to normalize it and share your story yeah absolutely i mean queer people i'm sure i mean i'm also i identify as bi but it's not that doesn't come out very much come up very much in conversation um but somebody who is like trans like they probably have to come out to people all the time, especially if they're seeing people that they haven't seen in a really long time. Like, I guess they don't have to come out to people, but I mean, like coming out happens a lot is what I meant to say. And if I'm going to show up at the crag with my husband and my partner, we're on like a climbing trip or something. And someone sees me give my husband a kiss when he sends something super dope. And then like maybe five minutes later, sees me like smack my partner's ass, you know, they're going to be like, like, who is this girl? Like, what is the deal? Um, actually, one thing I forgot that I was going to say was one, one hesitant hesitancy that my partner had about me coming out about this was that, um, and this has happened. Uh, some people will think that I'm just a free for all. 
Because mm. th- this has actually happened. Like, oh, Steph is Polly. Steph has this partner and she's married. Um, she's going to be down to fuck, man. Like, she's totally down to fuck. Um, mm. Which, like, I'm actually not right. down to fuck. Yeah, um, that sounds super annoying. Yeah, it, yeah, exactly. Like, there have there have been people that have like kind of talked to me and viewed me in that way. Like even like in front of my partner that my partner mm. has voiced like, you know, I feel like if Julian was standing there, they probably wouldn't have said those things. Huh. Cause they don't take that relationship that I have with my partner seriously. That's interesting. I gotcha. And a lot of people will say, Oh, so like they'll, they'll kind of just think that my partner is just someone that I'm fucking when it's like no, like this is this some this person is somebody that I'm in a relationship with. Like we love each other. It's the same way. Like if I didn't have my husband, like you could call this person my boyfriend. Like in the same way that anyone else would have a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, or a romantic partner. That's what this person is. This person is not just he. His function is not just so that I can fuck someone else. Like that is fully not it. And if that's how you view relationships, that's, I mean, you know, okay, you know what? I'm sorry. There are some people who do not experience romantic feelings and like they will like fuck like, and like, that's all a relationship will be to them. But also that is talked about beforehand and the person, everyone involved knows what's mm-hmm, going on, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but yeah, like, yeah, people will think that. And I was like, well, that's another great, talking point about this subject is that like people who are poly are not just free-for-alls you know you have to talk to talk to them you have to first of all like earn their respect and like you know and if if you want to fuck them and they're down for that and you guys have a conversation about it cool but you also like can't assume that totally at all and yeah that's just another really good reason to talk about this and just Mm. like deflate that balloon immediately Mm -hmm. before it gets too big. Yeah. Like, yeah, I just am a girl who manages a gym, who has two men in my life that I'm very much in love with. And I make a lot of stuff out of mini wood. Like that's, that's literally (laughs) like who I am. Yeah. And it's like, it's weird, but it also kind of is just as simple as that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, because like what I said about Kat, like somebody who is not about Kat, but about the episode, somebody who has this identity that some people might consider invalid or fringe or whatever, like everything that this person is, they show up to the crag and like everything that led up in their life to that point comes with them, you know? Like I'm going to show up at the crag and like, we're going to be open and honest and we're going to talk and joke and we're going to share stories while we're trying this problem. And like, like I am not going to make climbing a place where I feel like I can't be who I am because Mm. climbing presented to me was, this is this environment where you can be who you are. Like you're going to be accepting of these people. These people are going to be accepting of you and you're going to go and do the thing together that you all love. Like you're not going to get canceled unless you're causing harm to somebody where like, like, I don't know if I think this is enough proof to know that like what I'm doing and how I'm living my life and who I love and who I'm with is causing harm to literally no one. And the people who feel like there is harm being caused, it's because again, they're projecting their own, they're viewing it through a filter of like the shit that's in their own life. Yeah. They're, they're looking at it through their own lens with all their programming. 
Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. As I was, like, as I was, like, you know, when I first started hearing about polyamorous relationships and open relationships, I just remember feeling like, I, res- I really respect people that can do that because that must take an incredible amount of honesty and communication and, um, and love. And, but I, I can't, I don't think I could hang. I don't think I could do that. And, you know, and then realizing like, oh, I'm totally projecting my past relationships into this imaginary situation. And that's the thing that wouldn't work, of course, because like none of those relationships worked. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think that's really interesting. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah. And I don't necessarily know that I would be in this place that I am right now, like being poly, if I didn't meet this person that I started to have feelings for. I'm not like Polly and this person just showed up, you know? Mm-hmm. I real I realized that I had feelings for this person and I wanted to be true to that. And my husband also wanted me to be true to that and was happy to see me have this really crazy life-changing experience. And um, we restructured our relationship to be able to fit that. Mm. Like, I'm not sure if I would be doing this right now if it weren't for exactly that. And have you heard of the word called compersion? Yes, but please refresh me with with what it means. I've never heard that word before until I started consuming polyamory, like, media. But it basically... I listened to Polysecure recently. And that's, I'm sure, yeah. I'm sure it was in there, but I... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was, it was like a year ago. Like the book. You the book, to, Polysecure. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I yeah. have not listened to that yet, but that was recommended to me by my therapist, who also is, like, very experienced in the poly world. She actually gave us a lot of guidance. And it was really helpful that I already had a therapist that was experienced with um, just, like, the world of polyamory. But... It's a great book about just attachment styles and like working towards a secure relationship in general. Yeah. Like you don't have to be poly to like take a lot of really good core concepts from polyamory and apply them to your own relationship. Like you could literally do all of this work and still arrive at being monogamous and be a better person for it. But Mm. compersion is literally just the opposite of jealousy. It's you are happy Mm. to see... Like, for example, my husband looks at me with my relationship with my partner and he is happy for me, even though he personally does not, is not having a direct part in that happiness that is being Mm. given to me. He loves you and he sees that you are being made happy by this connection with this person and that brings him joy. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of being like... That's so fucking uh, evolved and like It's amazing. crazy, dude. It's so sick. It's crazy. And I've only kind of... Like, I, I got there way after he did. And like now, like, I get to do that. And like, yes, I have to admit that like, I will feel the initial twinge in my gut of like insecure, like jealousy, or like worry, or like, oh, he had that experience with that girl. Like, God, her ass was probably bigger than mine. And like my God, you know, she's taller than me. Oh my God. But (laughs) like that person though will never be me to how I am to him. Mm. Like what I mean to him, that person will never be that person because what we have is really special. And I also will never be somebody else to him because what I am to him is really important to him. And he has made it very clear. I mean, we've been together for nine. We just had our nine and a half years on September 6th, which was also my nine and a half years of climbing. Cause actually my husband got me into climbing <laughs> at central. We That's met, awesome. we met at central and yeah. Um, yeah. It's really interesting. 
It's bizarre. It's so weird. I'm curious about because I'm me and because because of what I how I am. <laughs> I, I have to ask about some of the nuts and bolts. Oh of it. yeah. I love that. Um you know, just hopefully because it's I'm curious and and hopefully it's helpful to people. I'm sure I could apply a lot of what you've learned with your husband and with your partner to my own future relationships, just as far as like check-ins, communication, managing expectations, all that sort of stuff. One thing I noted or or just made a mental note of that I thought we should share is that you had a long history with your husband before this transition, before this came about, right? Like I think people, I think polyamory is getting a lot more common. And I think some people feel as though they should be able to jump right into this brand new thing with, oh like, gosh, with no. like multiple brand new people. And it's like, that sounds like a nightmare. Like you, you have to, it seems as though like for what you're doing, you have to build a really deep foundation of trust. Like now when I kind of do the thought experiment for myself of like, would I be open to that? What would that feel like for me? I'm like, okay, I'm trying to first step, try to imagine a really secure relationship with someone that I'd loved and been married to for like seven years. You know, I, it's really hard for me to imagine yeah. that. I obviously can't. Um, this is my longest relationship. So you guys had a ton of history before, yeah. before this. Yeah. That, I mean, that is absolutely, I think one of, one of the biggest, biggest things that, uh, made this as easy as it was. It was not easy, but that was a huge part of what helped make this happen. Um, like, like I said before, like my partner and I were not at that point where we could do something like that, where if, if he said, Hey, there's this person that I want to like explore a relationship with, like I personally at this point in time would not be ready for that. And I know that vice versa, he wouldn't be ready for that. And we just haven't built that, the, that deep level of security, I guess you could say, because there's obviously trust, right? Um, there's really, really good trust there. There's a deep level of security that in my experience can only come about after just a really long time. And that's exactly what happened. Mm. Yeah. Do you, do you and your partner and obviously like no pressure to answer this if it's too personal, you've already said you're happy to share anything, but there's the caveat anyway. Um, do you and your partner have conversations about your future together? I'm trying to imagine being in his position and having this like, thought in the back of your head that like this can only ever go so far this person's already married i don't know if i can marry her um you know and, and have like just a lifelong journey with her in the same way that she already has with with her husband like does does he wrestle with that do you guys talk about that as yeah that's really that's a really interesting question so you have to ask yourself. Maybe I'm totally thinking about it wrong. I'm still thinking about it like <laughs> through the lens of, oh, yeah. well, you know, finding my forever person. Yeah. Um, the first question is, do you hold marriage as the end game? Mm. He has expressed to me that he's not actually super interested in getting married. Like I've also said the same thing. Like now that, now that I break down what I thought marriage meant to me, I don't really know if 
like it really matters because my husband and I, when we celebrate our anniversary, we celebrate the day that we started being together, not the mm. day that we get married. We got married. Actually, the day, our last wedding anniversary, I was dropping him off at the airport for him to go to a, like a long two-week trip in Germany. Like, and he was like, I'm so sorry, babe. And I'm like, you know, like, honestly, I don't really care about that date very much at all. Like, that date is very significant because we had a really big party with literally all of our friends. And the thing I was most excited about, about that day was to be standing up at the altar and to turn around and look and see all of the people that I care about so much. Cause like, you better believe that 70, 75% of the people that were there were people from my gym. Mm. And the person who was officiating our wedding was Brian, my boss, the owner of the gym. He's the only person that I could ever imagine doing that for us. Uh, but yeah, we, he said, uh, Julian said, my husband, that he's never, like historically, he's never really been super interested in marriage. Like he saw it outside of a religious perspective and was like, like, what's the fucking point of getting married when you could literally just be with somebody forever? Like you don't need a piece of paper to tell you that. Um, he was cool with getting married to me because first of all, like he knew that he wanted to be with me for as long as possible. And he knew that it was important to me. And when something like that is that important to me, it was also important to him. And uh, also we knew that that's how I was going to get health insurance when I turned. <laughs> You're good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, the party was great. Our wedding was phenomenal and we got so many great gifts. Like I would do it all again just to have <laughs> another great party and get gifts. But like looking back on it, if if I didn't <laughs> if I didn't need to be married to have to be on someone's health insurance, if you could just put someone on your health insurance, like that would be great. Um but my yeah, my partner doesn't really he's like I don't really think I don't see the value in getting married like it literally I feel like it's just a religious thing and mm. I was like you know I completely agree and if like there's no reason for my husband and I to get divorced at all um but if we could arrive if we had arrived at this same conclusion before we probably just wouldn't have done it and it would have been fine uh, my husband's actually he's expressed like man like I wish that you could add people to your health insurance that are just like really important to you, you know? And because of how our society is like, you know, Christianity, the foundation of marriage, blah, blah, blah. Like you can't really have One someone- nation under God. Yeah, exactly. You can't have someone on your health insurance that isn't either like your spouse or um, like your kid that's related to or something like that. Like they could, if, if my husband like had somebody that he wanted to put on his health insurance, like if he had another partner and wanted to put them on his health insurance, like he couldn't do that. Right. Like at least I don't think if, if that's not true, someone needs to tell me, gosh, cause yeah, it's like really stupid. Like the, uh, the laws and like our system, our healthcare system also favor monogamy and getting married and like that whole Christian perspective. Right. And so like, yeah, whatever. But I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that like, I don't know, my, my partner never really mentioned 
like expressing wanting to get married like ever. And then when we finally talked about it, he's like, yeah, I just don't really think it's super important. But if someone was going to get into a relationship with somebody that is polyamorous and is married or isn't married or whatever, I think it's really important to have a conversation of like, what do you believe about marriage? And like, what does it mean to you? Is this something that is going to be a hang up for us in the future? Because one of us wants it and one of us doesn't. Also, like, let's just pick apart what marriage actually means, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's how I arrived at this conclusion because I thought marriage was like, yep, it's the end game. It's how you know that someone is going to be tied to you, even though that's not even for sure because people get divorced all the time. Right. But I know there are many great examples of people that I know personally that have been together for years that have zero plans to get married that aren't married and they have a very settled and secure life together with just no no end in sight of them mm. you know being in a partnership and cohabitating so yeah it just doesn't really have to be that way you can make your life and your relationship arrangement to be however you want and fit whatever your needs are and whatever your desires are mm. and like you were saying like you don't know if you could ever hang you don't know if you could ever do that like i'm sure that if things ever fell into place in a way that almost like felt like literally perfect, because that's what kind of happened for me, it would work well that way. Like, well, like we were talking about earlier, like when things are like a fight, when relationships feel like a fight, it's like really exhausting. Like, I don't think I could make this relationship style work if it just felt like a constant fight all the time, because mm-hmm. that I would be completely drained and it would bring me no joy. But the reality of it is, is that it's, really fulfilling to me. I have double the support system, double the love. And like I said before, like double the laundry. And sometimes I'm like, God, where's that pair of pants that I really love? Shoot. It's at, it's at home. Like, like at my, my house with my husband, like, Oh shoot. Like, like, Hey, like I'll text my partner. Hey, like, will you bring me those lifesaver gummies that we bought at the store the other night? Like, I know I'm really going to want them. And then it turns out like he ate most of them and he's like, we'll buy you a new one. And it's just like, it, it's just so funny. Like the things that I have to do. And I'm I, now because of logistics, I have my entire life in a go bag. It's this Patagonia bag where I have literally anything that I would ever need to shower, wash my hair if I need to, like brush my teeth, change of clothes, contact lenses that I just bring with me to work. Cause like sometimes my plan will be to go, uh, go home and go to my partner's house. Um, but then the plan could change and he could be like, Hey, like I actually got this thing going on, whatever. And then I'll be like, Hey, like plans change. Like, what are you doing tonight, babe, my husband? And he'll be like, well, I'm actually not, not really doing anything tonight. And then I'll be like, cool. Like, like, do you like want to hang out? Like I could actually come home and blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh yeah, nice. Cool. I'll like, see you soon. You know? So like, it's, we try to plan a lot and it's like very dynamic. So like, you never really know what's going to happen. So I just learned to be prepared for mm. going wherever. Um, and like, yeah, you, you also have to be like really flexible because sometimes something will come up and like, you just got to go deal with it. And that's mm. just how life is. And just being understanding of like, each other's commitments in life. Like that's just, it's the reality of it, you know? Do you have scheduled check-ins? You know, do you sit down on Tuesday nights with your husband and Thursday nights with your partner? And do you guys use workbooks? Like how do you, how do you make sure that you're staying connected, that you're being as open and communicating as openly as you can 
staying ahead of things that might become like weird pain points or, or, um, Mm -hmm. or do you just like, you know, try to acknowledge them as soon as you notice them? Like what, what is the, what are the logistics of it look like as far as just all staying on the same page? Yeah. So there's, there's kind of two things there at the beginning, we were doing this thing called a radar and radar is an acronym and I can't remember exactly what it stands for, but it's this really good bullet point list, which I love, um, of topics that you can hit when you're having a check-in. And the first one is like, like sex, like what is the quality of like the like physical intimate sexual time that you are having with each other? Like that's a, opportunity to be like, Hey, I don't feel like we're having sex enough. Uh, Or I feel like when we're having sex, I just don't feel like, you know, I don't feel as connected or whatever. That would be the time to address that. And then there's also like money, like how are we feeling about money? There's household stuff. What are some things going on at work or like projects you might have? Um, There's another bullet point for other partners, which is really cool. So you can be like, well, something cool that happened with this partner is this just get like a really in-depth check-in. And so you kind of hit all those bullet points. And we did that for a while and it was really helpful. Um, But that does require a lot of time and a lot of energy. And you end up sitting down for hours. And that, that was rough for me because you don't, you don't want to be like drinking or like, you know, under the influence when you're doing that, because you want to be able to like be present and be able to discuss any information that comes up. And you know, sometimes when I get home, I just immediately want to light a joint. Immediately. And I do. Whenever I... I dude, I smoke so much weed. Like, I have to be honest with you. Um, and everyone and, listening. Oh, gosh. Yeah. I mean, I... That's another thing. I love weed. I can smoke so much weed. I will probably smoke multiple joints to myself in a night, like all the time. But when you're trying to do a check-in with your partner, you want to be a present mind. That is not the time to check out. And so... It really is a lot of energy, like listening and then also like having to bring up feelings, feel those feelings and then articulate those feelings in a way that are that that is going to be received well and make sure that you are getting your point across, make sure that you're understood. Because a lot of times frustration occurs when you feel like you're not being understood or you actually aren't understanding that person. And so it's really important to try to like just, yeah. Ask, don't assume. Oh, yes, definitely. My therapist says that to me all the time. Oh my gosh, it, ask, it's so true. The amount of times where I've been like, he's so mad at me. Like, it's like I literally my tell. job to ask questions and then she'll say that and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I've been I assuming again. Yeah. yeah. I just need to ask more questions and and I, I want to be asked questions too. Yeah. 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 Ask, being asked questions. Like I love it when people ask me questions. Mm. Like that's why I'm like such an open book is because I love... I love being asked questions, but yeah, we did those for a while and my partner and I did them too, but we kind of fell off the wagon with that. And like, cause it is a lot of energy. Um, but I think now more the style is like trying to be open and honest as things come up. And also if you can't be open and honest right away, that's probably because you're, you're kind of thinking about it and mulling it over to kind of decide like, is this something that I should bring up? Or is this something that I can deal with like on my own? Is this just me being like kind of dumb? You know, because sometimes in our minds, like we're kind of dumb and it might not even, you might arrive at a conclusion on your own. And sometimes you might not and you might need to talk about something. Um, Sometimes things are really big that absolutely need to be addressed. Um, My husband and I have always been really open and honest with each other. And that, that was like the foundation that like started our relationship was like, us just being brutally honest 
with things about ourselves to each other. And so that set the tone that set a really great tone for our relationship. Um, and I, yeah, now that's just kind of the style. And sometimes it's still really, it's like really hard, but I mean, I would, I know I would be having these same hardships if I wasn't poly, it would just be with one person, not two. So yeah, but I think, I think it's important that anyone that wants to do that, like it, it is good to at least start out with having a really good plan so that you can like know like, okay, I know that we're going to do a check-in on this day. That means um, there will be that space provided for me to uh, bring up my concerns um, until you get into more of a natural flow where you feel like, hey, like, I think this might be a good time to bring this up. You know, you kind of just, you, you get into like a nice little flow. Like maybe you might not need those like scheduled mandated times. Like, mm-hmm. you know, so it kind of just depends. Like as all relationships do, like things morph and change over time and you settle into like what works for you. Yeah. It's good to try stuff though. Yeah. Yeah. You also, yeah. I mean, you're, you're getting double the practice. Oh yeah. With like communicating and um, prying at the right times and knowing yeah. when to bring things up and not and. Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's, it's just, it's made me a better person. A lot of my flaws have been magnified and that was really painful hmm. because a lot of times it would be, Hey, so like you were, I know that you didn't mean to, but you did this and this is how it affected me. And I would spiral and be like, wow, I harmed this person. I must be terrible. But it's like, no, I'm not telling you this for you to think that you're horrible. I'm telling you this so that you can correct and pivot and we can move forward. Mm. And so like that's that's a constant bit of work that I am always doing. What's what's myself. an example? What's like a way in which you've really grown and become better? Hmm, let's think. I mean, there's probably so many. Um, there will be times where I will not fully communicate when I am going somewhere and when I'm doing something. And that is not like, I need to know where you're at at all times. It's like, Hey, like, like if you're doing that, that kind of changes my plan. Cause now I'm going to go do this. Um, it's just, there, there will be times where communication on my part will slip through the cracks and oh my gosh, this happens not just in my personal relationships, but also at work with my coworkers. Sorry, everybody. Um, when you're spread really thin, things fall through the cracks a lot. And I will absolutely recognize like, oh my gosh, I am doing this today or this on that night. I totally thought I told you that that was my plan. But like now I realize that I absolutely did not. And now I understand why you're frustrated. Mm. Like I was maybe expected to be somewhere or do something or show up for something. And I remember, oh my gosh, I had this other commitment with either my partner or maybe something completely different. And it'll be hurtful. Like, oh man, I was really looking forward to spending that time with you. It's been you know, I just got back from a business trip and like, you've been busy and I've had to go do this and I haven't seen you. And I was really expecting this. And now it feels like plans are changing like immediately when really just I double committed, which that, that was probably the biggest, one of the bigger hiccups was either double committing or not communicating mm. something like it could be the tiniest detail, yeah. but simply not communicating it 
makes things complicated and makes things hard for other people. Mm. And that's really frustrating. Right. It's not them trying to like be controlling. It's just, it's just wanting you to have that consideration so that they can do their own life and not be, you know, waiting to find out what you're doing or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. I really, that, uh, that's a tough one. I, I resonate with that a lot because I think it comes from, I think whatever, that tendency is that you have that, you know, tends to double commit to to two things. It's coming from a place of like, yes, I do want to do that with you. I want to spend that time with you. I want to spend, like, I want to go have dinner with this friend and I want to climb with this person. And like, I want to have, I need my own time, you know, training or whatever it is. And I'm always way overly optimistic about how long things are going to take. Oh yeah. Because I'm like, well, I want to do these five things. So like, yeah, yeah, I can fit them all into the day. But it's like, if I'm radically honest with myself, no, I can do two of those things Mm -hmm. because I've done them all before. Like, I know how long they take. I know that training takes three hours, Mm -hmm. not two hours. I know that going climbing takes the whole day. I know I'm not going to get back in time for dinner with my mom and dad. Like, I've gotten a lot better at, and I still struggle with this, but I've gotten a lot better and I'm still working on just taking a second to be really honest with myself about what I'm doing, how long it's going to take, and then remembering that it's rude and it's a disservice yeah. to this person to like soften it or mm-hmm. to be a little optimistic and say, I can be there in 15 minutes when I know it's going to be 45. Yeah. Just be fucking honest. Yeah. Yeah. It's that's, hard that's though. so true. It's hard. Yeah, it really is. Because yeah. you want to say yes to everybody. Mm-hmm. You want to give everything that you can to the people that you love because you fully believe that they absolutely deserve it because they yeah. do. And then you end up doing a disservice because there, there was a point where I felt like I was disappointing at least one of them at any given time where like I, I would forget that I was supposed to do X, Y, and Z over here. And then I would forget that I had committed to do whatever over here. And then it's like one week, one of them would be not like frustrated at me, but they would express like, hey, like this is what you did and this is the impact that it had. But of course me being the way that I am, I would view it as like, oh, like they're mad at me. Mm -hmm. And then that would get resolved. And then it would go over to the next one where I would somehow disappoint them. And now, cool. So it it was like, oh my gosh, I can't do anything without disappointing at least one of them. And that was also just the way I was viewing it too. Um, Like my husband, he's so sweet. He'll be like, no, I'm not, I just want to let you know that when I say what I'm about to say, it's not because I'm mad at you. I just want you to know how this affected me and how we can make a plan for this not to happen in the future. And then I'll walk away from the conversation being like, I'm literally the worst person that has ever existed. (laughs) Totally. Like this person deserves the world and I just shat on them. (laughs) Like that's how, that's how it feels. Like that's the pain that I feel when I disappoint someone. Totally. Um, And so, yeah, that's also gotten better. So (laughs) growth, (laughs) growth. We love it. Growth. I have so many more things we could talk about. Oh yeah, dude. And I think we're coming up against your your heart out. You guys need to what time get is out it? of here. It's six ten. Oh. Yeah, almost six fifteen. Is that why my partner is parked right there? Yeah. <laughs> just rolled up. Just rolled up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I have loved this conversation. Oh, thank stuff. you. I really have. Yeah. I just had a good feeling and I'm so glad that we got a chance to do this. And I would love to have you back on anytime. There's so much more we could we could talk about. I have like 
three pages of notes from you that we didn't get to. And I have maybe three or four different topics on my list that we didn't get to. So we didn't even talk about route setting. I know we didn't talk about route setting. We didn't talk about expensive boulders. Oh man. Um, I'm going to ask you this final question. Okay. In wrapping up because we teased it earlier. (sighs) Okay. Is there anything you wish people spent more time thinking about? Yeah. I mean, I wish people spent more time thinking about what they can do personally, even if it's just so tiny, what they can do that can just better the overall everything that is going on, even though things are really tiny, like, like even just like not fucking throwing trash, you know, like that's like a tiny thing that you could do that like overall makes the world better, which I feel like most climbers, oh God, I don't even know. Most, I'll say most climbers like, no, it's important to not litter and leave trash at the crag, but also like, like I was doing here, like a way that I can better the general, all of this gesturing to everything is to talk about things that stay mostly hidden in the dark and are taboo and normalize them. Like that's a little thing that's a huge that thing. I can do. Well, yeah, it, it is a huge thing. Um, it might seem small cause I'm just one person, but like it shifts things a little bit and it gets people thinking. And whenever you can get people thinking, that's when change happens. And I feel, I really feel like our generation is doing a really good job of trying to do that, even though there's still a lot of pushback from all of the other people. Mm -hmm. Even if I make a small change in one person's day, like that is so valuable to me. Mm. That's what I said earlier about like, if you see something that you like in someone, like it's my rule that like, I just need to tell them because if I can impact literally just one person's day. Like that is so important yeah. to me. I love that. One of the things that frustrates me the most, I think it's a nasty human tendency is this tendency that we have to, when we see someone doing something, trying to do something good, trying to make a positive impact, we immediately attack them for all the other things they could be doing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like someone starts recycling and we're like, well, you're still burning gas in your car or whatever it is. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be perfect. And, and it's just so annoying that we judge one another for, or hold each other to these impossible standards or compare what someone's trying to do that's good to, you know, this unreachable, perfect version of what they could be doing. And yeah, I mean, if, if you can just try to be a little bit more curious, a little bit more understanding or curious towards other people and and let go of a little bit of judgment or a little bit of certainty about a perspective that you have. Like that's a pretty big fucking deal that goes a long way to making all of this a little better. So yeah. Yeah. I agree. You're fucking awesome. Thanks dude. Thanks for saying that. This thing that you made (laughs) me is my new favorite thing. I already cherish it. It's going to stay up there forever. I can't wait for Ethan to see it. Oh my gosh. I I hope that he sees it. And like, I was just joking with my partner yesterday when I was using my nail polish that I bought at the dollar store to put the clear coat over the top of the frame. I was like, how many people in the world can say that they had a mini shirtless picture of Ethan Pringle on their fridge? Because I, I put it on his fridge to let it dry. <laughs> And then I just looked over at it and just thought it was really funny. I'm like, I don't know this person. I don't know Ethan Pringle. I, all I know is that he's really fucking strong and that Steven and him are homies. 
Um, but it's just, just pretty funny. It's pretty weird. Um, I do have to say, I want to say that the episode that you had with him where uh, he talks about his dad, that was like so valuable. That is such, that is such a valuable episode. How vulnerable he got. Like, obviously you could say men aren't vulnerable enough, but like when somebody who is very respected in, you know, a certain realm gets vulnerable, basically giving other people like other men permission to feel their feelings super hard and be that vulnerable. Like I, I walked away from that episode with so much respect like for him and like, yeah, like, oh my God, he's a man and he feels feelings and he, you know, is sad. Like, yeah, but also like he talked about it really openly in a very public way. And I don't know, I'm sure somebody somewhere probably did something that made him feel like he had permission to do that too. And mm. like that mean that's just going to keep carrying through. Um, Cause yeah, he, he did that, his action doing that more so normalized, like people talking about their feelings, feeling them and like you talking about going to therapy. That's so great. Like I wish that, I hope that more people who hear this feel like they have permission to take care of themselves in that way. Mm, yeah. Um, like I, other than that, I literally know nothing about Ethan. Like I didn't even follow him on Instagram until yesterday. I was like, I should, if I'm going to like print out this fucking picture of him. You should definitely follow him for all the bat hangs. Dude, I love bat hangs. <laughs> I didn't know that he was into bat hangs. Oh my gosh. I'm also very into bat hangs. Um, <laughs> He's I, done some legendary that's ones. so fucking cool. I yeah. will always, if I can get around something by getting into a bat hang, I'll, <laughs> yeah, dude. Oh my gosh. I love hanging from my feet. I, um. So. I, I love I love Ethan so much for his willingness to be open and to be messy in front of other people. To do that in general, but then to do it in front of other people, um, I think it's the greatest gift that he can give to all of us with the platform and the life that he has. And and he's doing what you're doing. Like it's the same thing. This is why I think you're fucking awesome. Like I I it's another thing. I, I was a little confused as far as why he wanted to talk about it beforehand. You know, mm -hmm. I was like, are you sure? Like I hadn't really, you know, I had the first conversation with him where we talked about um, his dad's stroke and like yeah. the journey of grief that he had been on. And I know it was cathartic for him. So I understood that side of it, but it's the same thing. It's like no one talks about death no one talks about it death makes me really everyone yeah experiences it literally everybody yeah and everyone's father is going to die you know and it's just fucking crazy that we don't learn anything about what that's going to be like or hear people talk about it or hold space for one another we just always sweep messiness under the rug you know whether it's um some type of relationship that feels foreign to us and threatens some idea that we have or, or whether it's um, yeah. Hearing, hearing Ethan's experience and, and like not wanting to hold the discomfort of that. We just shy away from that stuff. And I think it's, it's so helpful to just air it out. Yeah. So, yeah. Precisely. Yeah. So yeah, I stole a picture from his Instagram and I printed it out at my work and I cut it out and I laminated it. And then I made this frame 
all just so and now it's on the wall of my van yeah just so that you could have this experience (laughs) i really wanted you to have this experience for some reason so yeah yeah. you you nailed it thank you cool thank you um yeah like i said my favorite thing about the podcast is having excuses to read pages of notes about about someone I've never met and then yeah. get up, you know, go meet them at the at the boulders and get to sit in the van and chat. So really enjoyed this. Um Hell yeah, brother. Let's, let's do it again. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just really quick say who my sponsors are before we go? Of course. Um my shoes are provided by Mad Rock. I am a lover of the drones. Fuck yeah, me too. I will do anything. I fell in love with the drone comps this year. Yeah. Yeah. They're great. They're amazing. I want another pair. I'm psyched. You should absolutely pursue that. I love that for you. (laughs) You you can heel hook on things that feel like they don't exist. Mm -hmm. The things I have put that heel on are fucked up. They just (laughs) are. Um, They're great. I love the drones. I climb in the all black drones. Um, I have not tried the 2.0s yet. Those are hopefully coming in the mail. Um, but yeah, they support me. They've been supporting me for, I think, like three years now, two years now. And um, I do not have to worry about climbing shoe expenses because of them. And they are they are so great. I'm so grateful to them. And my chalk sponsor is Midnight Lightning. They are out of Squamish. And they are really concerned with sustainability. Their loose chalk is sourced from seawater. And at the time, I had never heard, like when I first heard about that, I had never heard about anyone else doing it. And I know another, like a few other brands are doing it now. And that's great. Um, But yeah, they're from Squamish and they're small business that's doing a lot. And I am so grateful to them for making sure that I never have to worry about paying for chalk. So... Yeah, I just wanted to mention my two main ones. And I also have like Soulfire. They have really great climbing clothing that that are now more sustainably made and sourced. And there's Highball Coffee. They make a really great uh, like coffee, single serving coffee bags that you steep like a tea bag. And it's really great for van life. Um, nice. when, when my partner and I go out in the van. Yeah, when we go out in the van, it is so much easier just to boil water and then put the highball coffee in there, boom, Hmm. like no French press. And then also all of the packaging is compostable, like absolutely all of it. And all of the ink is made from like ink that like doesn't hurt you. I don't really remember what it is, but it's great. Um, Oh yeah. And Friendly Foot, my feet don't ever stink Mm. because Friendly Foot, they're actually from Bellingham. You like put those in your climbing shoes? It's a, it's a spray and or a powder. Yeah. There it's, it's like an anti- microbial or antibacterial i don't know they don't just treat the smell it like treats like the Mm. the source or whatever um elevation climbing they make fiberglass they're really cool um i'm gonna be oh my gosh i'm gonna be at the indoor climbing expo in chattanooga in december and that is all supported by the hold room which uh they distribute Elevation Climbing and a bunch of other really cool hold brands. So I will be there hanging out, working the booth with my friend Steven, who uh, actually is my co-creator on Expensive Boulders. Oh yeah, by the way, I run in, or I created an account called Expensive Boulders where I literally just tell you how much a route costs. And it's crazy. Like, why does that route, why does that World Cup route cost $6,000? I don't know. But 
it does. And here you go. Yeah, Stephen and I will be there at the hold room booth and we will be chilling and everyone should come say hi. And yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Sick. Yep. Anything else that feels important before I let you go? I mean, like I said before, I got my tubes tied because I don't want to have kids. So if anyone's concerned about the future. That's my favorite thing that I've seen you share on Instagram. I saw your highlights on your announcement. Oh my God. And I literally, I, I watched it this morning when I was putting my notes together for this conversation. Yeah. And I laughed out loud. I was sitting by myself at my parents' kitchen table and I <laughs> laughed out loud. I was like, this is fucking amazing. It I've, looked like a pregnancy announcement, totally. right? Totally, yeah. Yeah, so that actually, that announcement was when my husband got a vasectomy. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what the future of like abortion access is going to be like in the future. And I also just really don't want to have kids. I have always felt that way and it's never changed. Um, and I also don't want to have to have an abortion. So about a month ago, I got my tubes tied. And uh, yeah, more people should do it if they also feel the same way. Um, I forget about it most days and I only remember it when I remember it. And then I'm like, <laughs> nice. <laughs> but like, yeah, my life has like literally not changed since then. But yeah, my partner doesn't want kids. My husband doesn't want kids. I don't want kids. Um, I mean, the announcement was kind of like a, a fuck you to anyone who would judge you mm-hmm. for not wanting kids oh, for yeah. for anything. You know, it's just like, none of your business. This is what I want. I'm doing it. Oh God, I it thought was it was sick. so funny. Loved it's it. hilarious. Yeah. So bottom line, do whatever the fuck you want as long as it doesn't like <laughs> harm people mm. and like live your truth. And that is like how you will find peace and joy. Mm. That's it. I don't know. Amen. Amen, brother. Amen, brother. Amen, All right. brother. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Hey, friends. Before you go, quick shout out to all of our sponsors for this episode. As always, you can find links to all of our sponsors and you can see the coupon codes for their products in the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com or just by scrolling down right there in your podcast app. I make it really easy for you guys to get great deals on some of my favorite products. So check them out. Scroll down right there in your podcast app or check out the show notes at thenuggetclimbing.com. And as always, I put tons of goodies in the show notes. So for this episode, you can find links to all the things, videos and books we talked about, related podcast episodes, my guests' links, etc. You can find all of that stuff conveniently linked for you at thenuggetclimbing.com. Just find this episode and all of the show notes will be there, including timestamps so you can scroll around and find some of the best nuggets from this interview if you want to listen to those sections again. And as always, thank you guys so much for listening. If you want even more great content, if you've been loving the show, I do have a Patreon. I have tons of bonus episodes over there, almost 50 bonus episodes. They're called follow-ups that I've published so far with past guests from the show. Those bonus episodes are some of my favorite interviews that I've done on the podcast. You can get access to all of those and ad-free episodes and more for $5 per month. Go to patreon.com slash thenuggetclimbing to learn more. There's a link for Patreon right there in your podcast app as well. Thank you guys for listening. I appreciate all of the support. Happy climbing. I hope you have an amazing week and we will see you next time. Mm